If you know the fish tank, then you also have to know our friends at Planet Protein. That's right, Big Seth, and Planet Protein is back and better than ever. They're gearing up for the momentous release of their Chocolate Magic Protein Mm. Shake, now completely sugar-free and free of sugar alcohols. But still the same great taste juice, and Planet Protein is locally manufactured right here in South Florida. And to top it off, the new Chocolate Magic two-pound bags feature a wooden scoop and eco-conscious packaging to protect our beautiful oceans. Hey, no doubt, Seth. In fact, they're so local that my man Anthony the COO of Planet Protein is here to tell you why their product is not just good, but good for you. That's right. Thanks for having me. Had to come down and tell it like it is. We produce Chocolate Magic right here in South Florida with our community in mind on the inside and outside of the bag. Eco-conscious materials, only eight real ingredients, four of which are superfoods, put you in the prime position to conquer your day. So if you're ready to live a clean and ethical nutritional lifestyle, then visit planetprotein.com now. And remember to use the code FISHTANK to receive 20% off all of your planet protein purchases and don't forget to follow us on instagram at planet underscore protein bam hey juice the only thing better than looking clean is looking clean on your own time no doubt about it big seth and that's why i always call my man ara at ant dry cleaners anytime i need my clothes laundered or dry clean tell him exactly why you call ara because ant offers free pickup and delivery at your home or office so you never have the inconvenience of trying to find time to take your dry cleaning somewhere they bring it to you that's exactly right juice you can walk into their fort lauderdale location but ant serves miami dade broward and the southern palm beaches with their convenient pickup and delivery services, which also include alterations, shoe repair, and more. And A&T is a family-owned company, and they've been in business since 1980. 1980. Yeah, and you know what? That means customer service is their priority. So call Ara today at 954-610-9383. That's his personal cell we're giving you. Or you can visit drycleanertoyou.com to start making your life and your dry cleaning a lot easier. And make sure you tell them that the fish tank sent you, because Ara, my man, is giving our listeners 50% off your first order. How much? 50. Half. Seth. Half and 25% off any dry cleaning services after that. ANT Dry Cleaning, the official dry cleaners of the fish tank. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Man, This is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans. Number one, one, of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank Season 2, kicking off right here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Seth Levitt with none other than OJ McDuffie and, of course, DJ Preach running the board. Juice, second season, man. Can you believe we're here? Man, oh, man. Oh. What up, Big Seth, by the way? How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. How, how was it's your been summer? too long. You have a good summer? Summer's been good. The wife's been running me ragged, but yeah. it's been good. Well, that's normal. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. That's married life Beyond. Right Beyond normal. Hey, man, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. Season one went really well for us. It and, did. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback, uh, some really great episodes that we were able to reflect on. But it's time to, you know, you can't live in the past, man. It's time to move on to a, a new season, and season two is going to be just as good, if not better. It better be better. It better and, be better. And there's no way to kick off the second season to go as big as you can get. And we went big. Yeah, we did. We went big, and not just like because six, he's- Like 6'5", five, six, six big. 6'6", six, six big. Probably a little heavier than he's used to being these days. Wow. But <laughs> let's go. I probably should uh, change the tone right here because the guy also signs my paychecks. <laughs> Jason Taylor is in the tank. Yeah, we JT, got it. JT, what's up, man? 
What's up? And first of all, I'm at my playing weight. I'm exactly at my playing weight. <laughs> playing so weight when you were in D.C.? So y'all can both kiss my ass. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Why me? 246. Pull out the scale. Damn, you've been on that Peloton. Yep. <laughs> That's good, man. That Peloton's been getting them. Uh, we've heard that a few times on the show, man. Guys are getting that, that challenge, huh? Yeah, I put a few pounds on after I retired. Actually, in the last couple of years. You deserve yeah. it, man. Getting, uh, you know, my fiance is a, a Cuban girl, so. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. I love with the Cuban food and put a few pounds on, but I got it back. Yeah. 246. Looking good, I got, I got one more snap. Looking good. And then, <laughs> That's every, all, yeah, and then, everything, then everything might snap after that. <laughs> it might snap after We just got to pick the right one. <laughs> yeah, I only got one left, though. Choose wisely. Better make it good, huh? It'll probably be on a third down. Well, it might guess. be a third down or maybe a fourth down in the fourth quarter. You know, got to make a play. Somebody, team's going for it, right? I know what it won't be. It won't be inside the five-yard line. <laughs> and it won't be on third or fourth and one. So. Sure shit won't be this preseason. Not the heavy team. All right. No, that's All for right. sure. But JT, we, we appreciate you being here. I know you tried to say no to me a hundred times, but Juice asked Asked once and it was a yes. Uh, no, and, uh, and 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 it means a lot for us to kick off the second season with our first NFL Hall of Famer. We've had the Hawk, we had Andre Dawson, we had a baseball Hall of Famer yep. before we had an NFL Hall of Famer. But uh, I think we got the right guy today. Yeah, I think he just you know stepped our, our whole game up, man. Classified us. We're, we're classy now. Yeah, it's all downhill from here this <laughs> second right. season, but we're gonna make it work this season. So, JT. You know, your story has been told over and over and over again, all kinds of different ways. I'm probably to blame for a lot of that. But there's there's a story that I love early on, and it's, you know, we all know you as number 99. You know, we, we hear the Joe Rose, 99 right on time. But before 99, there was a 33 at Akron. But there was also a number in between. Talk about why it's always these double digits, because I don't think people have any idea how superstitious you are. And also talk about that number you wore between 33 and 99. Um. I'm trying to think now what I wore between no I was 55 right double nickel yeah, yeah I, I'll lead you through this if you need any yeah, help I, I got you it was a long time ago man with 33 <laughs> um that was you know growing up I was a big basketball guy so all I wanted to do was play basketball and big Michael Jordan fan obviously that was a hot team of of the 90s and so being from Pittsburgh I was a Chicago Bulls fan because we had no basketball team so when I played basketball I was 33 because everybody in the world wanted 23 and you couldn't get it so the next closest thing was 33 I thought and, he was a bird guy yes I thought very legend <laughs> Scotty Pippen wore 33 so I went you know I took 33 you know bird was I, I like the way bird plays he just didn't dunk on people enough for me <laughs> not a whole lot of that going on but uh uh, no, nah, so it was, you know, couldn't get 23, so took 33 in high school playing basketball. Ended up joining the football team late in high school, so 33 was a natural fit as far as me being comfortable in it. Didn't really look great on a, on a, on line. me in particular. <laughs> you know, playing, I played tight end, a little receiver, and strong and free safety. Yeah, then just kept it. I mean, we, but when I got into college, you are playing linebacker for three years. It's, it's okay at linebacker when you move to the DN. Right. My senior year looked a little weird. You know, my shoulder pads were as big as a, <laughs> a double wide trailer. Big so it was a big 33. But, you know, it was uh, I've always been this this guy that liked double digit numbers. If I can't have 23, I want a double digit and 33 worked for a long time. And then I, I guess I ended up being 55 for I guess it was all star games. Right. The senior bowl. So the yeah. story. Senior bowl, yeah. Yeah. The story Gary would tell me is that, you know, and I guess it's either a great Gary story or maybe this will start coming back to you. But there was this knock on you that you were undersized. Mm -hmm. And then because of the, you being undersized and maybe because of you taking a, a, a few calendar shots, that they also maybe accused you of being a little bit soft. And he said, dude, I can't have you going to the Senior Bowl in 33. Uh, and from what I understand, Willie McGinnis, 
right. was 55. Is yeah. that So was yeah. Gary telling me the truth there? Yeah, yeah. So you know, tried to pattern a lot of things off of Willie McGinnis. I was an undersized guy, 235, probably 38 pounds around senior bowl time. And, and uh, there was no calendar shoots yet, so that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the reason they were All right, some Akron billboards, you and Brian Coles. They just thought I was soft because I was smaller and went to Akron and probably because I'm light-skinned or something. And there it is. Soft and, <laughs> You're waiting for and, it. Uh, that's fine. I, that's all right. Where they at now? Um, <laughs> look at me now. Yeah, so Gary's like, you can't be in 33. So 55 looked a little broader. He wanted people to look kind of look at me and start to think, oh, I could see this guy being Willie McGinnis. So that was kind of the whole point behind getting 55. And, you know, I still went down there. I remember the eve of the Senior Bowl. Gary, you know, my agent and best friend for a long time, has passed away now. May he rest in peace. He uh, He was like, Dude, there's some people saying that you're soft. You know, we got we got to do something to change the narrative. You know, there's some question marks about your toughness. So he was like, you know, in the game tomorrow, don't take any shit from anybody. He's right. like, and if it if somebody messes with you, just uh, fight them. Yep. <laughs> like, just don't pick someone you're gonna lose to, but <laughs> can't pick the right guy. Find, find one you can beat. Right <laughs> you know, do it, do it when there's a lot of teammates around. But you get, if somebody tries you, you gotta handle your business. So. You know, we get in the game the next day, and, and I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for a situation where I can just fight someone, hit somebody. I, you know, I'm trying to change this narrative that, that's going around because you know, unfortunately, perception becomes reality, as we all know. So uh, we were down. I think we we're down inside the red zone, probably around the ten yard line, and it, it wasn't even a situation that I was in. It was like a teammate was pushing and shoving with somebody else, and I, you know, I, it was close enough that I can get there before the officials. <laughs> So I run over and I get involved and start pushing and then I swing on the guy and we start slugging it out. You know, we got helmet and shoulder pads on, so we ain't hurting each other. My teammates were close enough, so I knew I wasn't going to lose, lose. So I start going off and just tr- trying to whoop his ass. And uh, I changed the narrative, all right? I got thrown out. Right. So they threw me out of the senior bowl. Nice. That's what's up. They didn't try me anymore. In, right? did, did you get back in the game? Well, the thing is, I had, I had gotten an injury in the first half, so I forget what it was. Maybe my elbow or something, I forget. So they throw me out. And so they're like, walk in the locker room. Do people get kicked out of senior bowl? No. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Nobody that before. Does. Okay, man, I was making history, man. All right, all right. I changed the damn leave narrative. Change the narrative. Change the narrative. Gotta leave your mark. So they kick me out. Like, you know, I have to go in the locker room, and I walk in with the trainer, and the trainer's like, "Well, we need to get your elbow checked or whatever." I think it was my elbow or maybe my shoulder. We need to get it checked now that you're out of the game. Let's go get it checked. So I'm like, "All right, screw it." So we get in the car, we drive to the hospital to start getting X-rays. So I'm at the hospital, and I got my cell phone with me, and Gary's blowing me up. Gary had to be shitting himself. <laughs> Gary was going crazy. So he's blowing me up and he's like, dude, where you at? I said, I'm at the hospital getting x-rays. <laughs> he's like, what the hell are you doing at the hospital? I'm like, I got thrown out. Like, what am I going to do? I might as well get checked now. I'm going to go back and get a shower and I'll see you at the hotel. And uh, the guy that ran the senior bowl, Steve Hale, I think his name was. And, uh, I guess Gary had gotten on the phone with him and was like, Steve, I think I'll kick Jason out of the game. You can't kick people out of an all-star game. Yada, yada. Steve's like, bro, he was fighting. He was like, yeah, it was all, it was all bullshit. It was a setup. <laughs> So long story short, Gary calls me back and he's like, hey, they reinstated you. You can get back in the game. I'm like, I'm in the hospital in the x-ray, Gary the x-ray room. Gary was a master, man. The craziest and, you know, shit what? ever. I got the lead vest on. And I'm the like, craziest shit ever. And I'm like, what? And, she, and the lady's like, sir, you got to put your phone down. I'm like, hold on a second. Huh? <laughs> I will, Taking I, calls I, in the x-ray room. I'm still looking for fights. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. So I put, hang up. I throw the lead vest off. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got to go. So I run back to the stadium, get back in the, you know, grab my shoulder pads, get back in the game. Uh, right as they were coming out of halftime, I, I got there. So I just grabbed my stuff. I still it's have a long ass halftime. You got kicked out in the first, first half, half right away. I got kicked out. Like, Change the narrative, Juice. Come like, on, man. It was like five. Come on. I mean, I could be a little bit off because it was a long time it ago. It wasn't mop up time or anything. No, nah, no. Nah, Nobody's like, looking this shit up, Jay. Just go with what there you There was remember. like five or six minutes to go in the first half. <laughs> but I got back in time for the second. For the second half to start, and then uh, 
went out and won the defensive MVP. So damn, it all, it all worked that's out. What's that's what's up. That's how man. you get it done. That's how you get it done. You know, just and I'm going off script already, and and I'm going to have a problem today doing this. All good. Man. But as you're talking about getting in these fights, JT, and 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 we've all seen probably more fights than we can count with you in practice and and <laughs> at OJ's house, and we'll get in all that. But you told me that actually growing up. You didn't win a whole lot of fights early on. That yeah. Tiffany, your older sister, she had to lead the lead the way. But tell us who the first guy who you kicked his ass, the first guy in Pittsburgh that you actually won your first bout. Well, the guy's name was Charlie Batch. He was a backup quarterback. He was a quarterback and ended up being with Eastern Michigan and then backup quarterback for the Steelers. Charlie yeah. Batch, Charlie, man. Charlie, you and Charlie got into it? Charlie and I were friends. I don't even know what we got into it for. It's probably one of those things where I'm like, I got to get me a win somehow. <laughs> you got to change the narrative, man. Nine years old. You got to change was, the fucking narrative. I was losing everything. I was losing everything. And I think I was I think I think was in third grade, I believe. Oh, Lord. It was like third grade, but I had been losing everything. And, you know, like we grew up in an area where, you know, you got to you gotta oh, fend yeah. for yourself. Oh, yeah. And my sister was, my older sister Tiffany at the time was bigger than me. And she, uh. She was a little tough cookie and didn't take any crap from anybody, and she would fight for me and settle my scores with people. But you know that stuff starts to get around. I'm gonna tell street, my sister on you. The streets start talking. Get and like, oh, you you could whoop JT's. You think ass that shit made it to the Senior Bowl? I wonder. <laughs> you could whoop JT's ass as long as his sister ain't around. You know. So again, I had to change the narrative. So the common theme here is, you know, for, for the better part of my life, I had to keep changing the theme, and I, maybe that hasn't even changed. It's still, I'm still trying to change the narrative and the theme. Yeah, my goodness. Good stuff. Charlie Batch. <laughs> it wasn't even, no, listen, I, I, didn't, I didn't really whoop him. He was right. on, I mean, I won. Right, right. He was on a corner. You won by points. The judges gave you the. <laughs> it was a split decision? No, nah, there was no split. Like, I was, there was no judges either. It was, <laughs> it was a TKO because of, because I ran. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't see him get up, so it's a TKO. It's like, either way, I, I won. We got to get Charlie on now. He ain't, he might cha- have he ain't chased me down, so. No, he was on the corner, and I forget what the argument. It was over nothing, too, right. I'm sure, you know, in third grade. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a friend of mine, we, we, we were friends, and he was standing on the corner, and I think I walked up. I think I pushed him first, and then my my punch turned into, like, a, a open, open hand, hand slap, kind of shove, like, slap oh, okay, thing. All right. And there were some bushes behind him, so he tripped, and he fell in the bushes. And that was it. I don't know what happened after that. I took off. <laughs> my sister wasn't there. You got that double, though. <laughs> Are you, guys, are you guys cool now? Oh, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool we, uh, okay. ran, we ran into each other a lot, obviously, growing up. And then you know, I saw him in college and played against him, and we laugh about it. And so all was, all was <laughs> good. Bash. That's great, man. That's a good one. JT, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about your, your rookie year, 1996. It was a major adjustment for me because I was going from Shula to Jimmy uh, and then that training camp. Talk about that training camp, first of all, coming from Akron. Had to be a, a different little training. Had to be a little wild for you right there. And, you know, we heard in your, in your Hall of Fame speech, you, know, you told your mom that you wanted to shut it down. You wanted to quit and yep and go home. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I was thirty seconds away from hanging it up. So I get I get here ninety seven. Yeah, you know, with Jimmy Johnson, it it was completely different as yeah. everybody knows. Once you get to the league, especially coming from a school like Akron, that's not the the biggest football school. And you know, in programs different, the athletes different, the, the heat is different. Um, had already been through mini camps and all that stuff in the offseason program, and I was fine with that. And I love to work, and I'm I'm cool with all that. But we got in the training camp, and that was the old days of true two a days. Yeah, you know, where maybe a third. Yeah, you know, you're on the field at. I don't even remember. You're on the field at eight ten in the morning. You're off the field for a couple hours. You get some rest, and then they bring you back out for the second practice at three forty. Come to find out, years later, the hottest point in the day in Florida is like four o'clock because everything cooked all day, and now the heat on the ground is equaling the heat from the sun. 
So now I understand why I felt the way I did, but that was <laughs> I found that out later. But anyway, we're probably four or five days into camp, and you know, you know how Jimmy was. There was no acclim- acclimation period and all that. It was you know first day. You know, you're in maybe helmets or shoulder pads in the first practice, and then this full pads the second practice. And uh, inside, drill. he's just ki- he's just killing us, and I'm wearing out five days in. I remember being in a hotel over at the old Rolling Hills, <laughs> that dump we used to stay in, which I used to think like, man, I thought the NFL was supposed to have like yeah. facilities. This is worse than Akron. But uh, you weren't at St. Thomas. You should have seen yeah, that before you that got to worse. Navy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in the evening, it's probably 10 o'clock, and, you know, guys would wander around the hallway sometimes and – you know, you can you can go you know down to Dan's room and he's drinking he's drinking some wine and eating cheese and smoked <laughs> salmon and stuff and you know yes. you know some of the guys are playing video games and whatnot. I'm in my room. I can't even go visit anybody. I'm just dying. I'm like I can't do it. I, I, I seriously I told myself I was like I feel like if I go to sleep right now I may not wake up tomorrow morning. Like I'm seriously <laughs> Damn. I'm gonna go see my maker. Like I, there's no way I'm gonna make it. <laughs> I remember calling my mom and you know, she's like asking me how it's going. I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's going. You know, I'm in the NFL camp and she's like, oh my god, I'm so proud of you and all this. I'm like, mom, I, I think I gotta quit. I, I can't do it. I'm, I seriously, I think I'm gonna die tonight. Was it hard to get that out after she just told you how proud she was, <laughs> bro? The way I felt at that time, it I didn't matter. I was, if Jimmy was standing there. I'd have told him and slapped him. <laughs> But I was I'm like, glad he wasn't there. I was like, seriously, if I fall asleep, I'm not, I'm not going to. My body cannot wake up. It's like, this is this is un- unnatural. The paraphrase, he's like, that's fine, baby. You can come home and you know find a job or join the military, or whatnot. You ain't, you ain't living here, but right. you know you can figure it out. And I was like, I, I can't go to the military. <laughs> I really don't want to get a job. So you know, thank God I went I went to sleep and had to get up at six o'clock in the morning. That's when rookies had to be taped. And you know, we practice at eight o'clock. And you, you asshole veterans didn't want us around when you guys were there. So we had to get in the building at like 5, 36 o'clock and get taped. So you're sitting at your locker for two hours with your ankles taped and your feet are falling asleep because the right. tape's so tight. That's right. But, uh, yeah, it's I got to last. The tape's got to last through meetings and practice, you know. They put a little extra on it for the rooks? <laughs> that thing, thing would have lasted all day. But I used, we had to do it tape two hours early. I, I hated that. You know, then I had I had young guys. I mean, I had vets like Daniel Stubbs and those guys that oh, made me take every rep in the individual and all the all the BS reps, and they would take the you know the first team reps. Right. But, you know, I, I made it through the next day, next morning. And then, you know, you kind of you start to figure out how it works and you, your body will catch up. You know, those first four or five days are going to be hard. Right. That fifth day is pretty much when you hit the wall. And, you know, there were some vets like Trace Armstrong were like, you know, just hang in there, kid. Just keep pushing and you'll your body will come out the other side. And it, and it did. Yeah, you got over that hump. That, yeah. That's that proverbial hump that you got over, man. I, you know, let's talk about that draft class of yours with Util Green and Sam Madison and Derek Rogers, players on our, that team that were really good. And I thought Util, me personally, I thought Util was going to want to be one of the best Dolphins ever before he got hurt again, man. But Util was that dude out there, man. You guys had a hell of a draft class. Yeah, we had some good players. And, and you know, the thing is, I didn't get a chance to to get to know Util a whole lot. You know, you get drafted with a guy, you spend a little time together as a draft class, but then once the vets all come in, everything really gets separated yeah. in the position, especially when you're a young guy like as, a, as an older player you know you can cross over to other positions and you know you hang out with them a little bit you joke with them at practice you see them but as a rookie you're so focused on just doing your thing so it was it was my guy my defensive guys and in particular the front seven guys that I really got to know so you know you start seeing your teal with his injuries and yeah. not being available and, and I never understood I never knew fully what was going on as far as how he got hurt or whatnot because you hear it after practice oh your teal got hurt but you don't see it so you kind of unfortunately don't don't develop that relationship with some of those guys early on because you're so focused but Obviously, a talented guy, or went in the first round, and and unfortunately, the way it worked out for yeah. him, he just the injury bug just kept biting him. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, I got a chance. You know, I got drafted after Sam Madison, which he always reminds me that he was drafted. <laughs> Two nine. You know, and you know the whole story of Jimmy wanted me in the second round, but wanted Sam and thought he could still get me later. And you know, probably bad talked me a little bit, having me drop a, another round. But it, you know, Jimmy was good at that stuff. He he got Sam, he got myself, Derek Rogers, who started and played for us for, for I don't know five six years. Yep. and was very productive. Who else was in my class? Baron Tanner, I think, was was in my class. Was Brent Smith that year? Was Brent? No, no, Brent was later he was, on. He was years Brent later. Was, I yeah, was Brent was a little later time. on. Now the punch it back came later. Um, <laughs> Not Wade Smith. Oh, Brent, Brent Smith. Smith. Oh, oh, my bad. I, I got, I got the Smith. <laughs> oh, Brent Smith might have been my class. Yeah, yeah I think Brent was. Yeah. <laughs> Wade Smith was your punch it back. Yeah, my bad, my bad Brent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Damn. Who else? There was uh, Big Smitty. Who, Nick Lopez? Yes, right? Nick, Nick Lopez. Lopez. First time I ever played basketball with JT, I took him and Nick Lopez out to Central Park, and those two dudes were like two pit bulls out. I was like, <laughs> this is not some shit I need to be in the middle of. Nick Lopez. Who was the... Uh, wow, I forgot about Nick. There was a big offensive lineman that took up residence, residency in the training room. Jerome Daniels. Jerome was that, Daniels. that your year? Yes. Big Puddin'? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Big Puddin. Yeah. Oh, he was a nice pudding. guy. I count on <laughs> no, Seth. No, he's a great guy. <laughs> Seth's memory sick, man. I told him because he doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, yeah. doesn't do anything bad for his mind. So he, he remembers everything. Clean liver helps, so I guess. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we'll man. see That's in why the I end. everything. <laughs> but yeah, there was a. Uh, nice things about me. It was an I interesting do, group of guys. Oh, there was um another receiver. I remember I saw the rookie picture not long ago. There was another receiver. I'm drawing a blank. Light skinned kid from Stanford. Yes, yes, he he Come was on, Brian, Stanford. We, he we, was we, 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 Brian yes. Manning. Brian he Manning. He was Jerry Rice in in, in uh, Mexico right. City. He had about 200 <laughs> yards receiving. Murderous. I don't know if he caught a ball afterwards. He was also a nice kid. Yeah, yeah Brian was, Manning. Yeah, he was a great guy. That's right. Wow, I forgot. You guys that was had same about class. looks like about 14 people in that draft. Did we? Well, Jimmy, Jimmy was trying to move you old guys one, out, two, man. Three, four, Jeez. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14 people. Let me hear the names. All right, so you had uh, YG, Sam, Jason Taylor, Derek Rogers, Ronnie Ward, Brent Ronnie, Smith, Ronnie Ward. Jerome Daniels, Baron Tanner, Nicholas Lopez, yeah. Johnny, oh, John Fiala, Brian Manning, <clears throat> Mike Crawford, Ed Perry. Crawford. Ed Perry. How did I forget Ed Perry? My and bad. A, oh, he's going to be pissed, and a, too. And a DB is Mala. Is <laughs> Mali. Mike Crawford. I forgot about Mike Crawford. Yeah, Crawford. Jumped off yeah, the roof when he got drafted. Right, that's right. Jumped yep. off his roof into a pool or a lake or something. Yeah. In the lake, yeah. Lake Tahoe. Yeah. yeah. And then and and Ed Perry. Uh, Ed, Ed Perry. Perry. I share a birthday with Ed Perry. I share a draft class with Ed Perry. That's, that's my guy. He yeah. was uh, he was good. Yeah. I mean, he was. A long snapper, wow. and it, it's crazy. I, I felt like he would play for 20 years. And, Some of those And unfortunately, they gave his job to John Denny down the road. But Unfortunately for him, it worked out pretty well for John and the team. Well, John's, John's still, still playing. Rolling. John's yeah. unbelievable. 74 years old and he's still playing. Yeah. He's re-upped. That's <laughs> a special. You know, a, he, he caught that position at the right time where, mm-hmm. you know, you can't get touched anymore. John, he's just, he's really good, accurate with the snaps, great team player, you know, but he, I think he broke your record, right, for consecutive. Yeah, he did. Some, he did. It doesn't count, but. <laughs> Long snipers, it shouldn't, it should there be an asterisk I mean, it? you can't the, even the touch him injury, anymore. The chance of injury is so low there. You, gotta... you can't even touch him. No, I love John Denny. And, and, and listen, anyone that plays that many games and that many years in the league is doing something right. And fact is nobody's taking don't run your job. butt off. Yeah, yeah don't run your butt amazing. off and try to go cheaper. But, Ask Ed. You know, he does a great job yeah, and, yeah. and plays a lot of games, but. Doesn't yeah. doesn't do a lot of practice. No, hey. I remember. I remember. Uh, Denny used to always get upset because he came in from BYU, I believe. Correct. And he was a DN at BYU that knew how to long snap. So I guess it was Mike Westoff was there at the time, or no, it was probably uh, Keith, Keith Keith Armstrong, mm-hmm. special teams coach, and they had him snapping. But he wanted to play DN, so he started out mini camp and training camp doing individual with a D-line. And he loved it. He'd come down there and do the sl- he'd do everything with us. And he wanted to play D-end. He was like, I think he was a little resistant to the to the long snapper tag. 
he would do it, but he wanted to play DN as well. And I remember they stopped letting him do individual. They started protecting him and not letting him do individual. And he was like, he was so mad about it. So he would come down with us in individual. And then Keith or whoever would see him and like, Denny, they'd call him back down. He'd like, but he like, over with the kickers, damn. John, trying to sneak over there. John Denny's like 6'6". Six, six. He's a big fella. Right. He like try to hide and sneak in and jump in and get a rep. And he like, he like one rep in the knockdown bags and then they'd call him out. And he like, he used to bitch about it. And it was fine with me. I didn't want him around anyway. I wasn't taking my job. So. And then a couple years down the road, I'm like, dude, you got the best gig. Like, you practice for 15 minutes a day. When you're done, you go in the bubble with a with a pitching wedge and hit golf balls <laughs> right. while he's we're out there doing swing. practice. And you can do this forever. And uh, he's made a career of it. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, man. I was a backup snapper my first couple years. I was a backup long snapper because I did it a couple times at Akron. Not bad. I mean, I got it back there. You, put, you know, I'm mercy guy. You got to have yeah. that. So I, Mike Westoff, we, we laughed about this a few months ago at my event. I was a back. I forget who the starter was. It ended up being Ed Perry. But when I came in, oh, it was um, Ethan Albright. No, it was a big tight red. end. Might have been big red. It was a tight end that was here. Frank, Frank. Wainwright. Frank, Frank Wainwright. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Frank was the snapper. Cool. Then Ed came in, and you know, obviously Ed was really good at it. Little different spin and twist because he's a lefty. So he had Westoff found out I could snap. I think I was messing around. He knew I could do it from college, but I was messing around one day pre practice and doing it. And he was like, "Yeah, I need you out here for pre practice every day." Now. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just took took fifteen twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, thought you was being funny. Yeah, that quick. I'm like, "What are you <laughs> doing?" That's a rookie mistake right there. <laughs> so, and I'm a rookie so i got no choice now so to get taped early, well, hey, yeah, early i was gonna practice. say you already taped you might as well, might do as well some go shit. get some work in <laughs> so i go out there and pre-practice and frank probably knew he was already getting some pressure from ed so frank's not giving ed a lot of reps and i'm getting no reps but i'm getting the sunburn i'm just standing out there and at least they let us take our helmets off you can take your helmet off till you have to snap because you do any long snap out there sense not to. you need to have your helmet on when you're snapping because it, it, it changes things it makes it a little different a little more uncomfortable so i'm out there four or five days doing this a week doing this i'm like i'm not getting any reps like when they would come out and blow the horn i would jump in and get one snap and then like the holder would take off on me so my snap would just bounce on the field i pick up my helmet run over to the stretch like this is dumb nobody was there to catch the ball so, there. yeah they would like leave me like, man, charlie, like brown. charlie brown so i'm like this is dumb so i took it upon myself note to self don't do that i'm like man this is this is bullshit i don't need to go out here so the next day i don't go out for pre-practice you're getting 15 20 minutes more ac like that's that means something yep the next day i don't go out again and i'm walking out for stretch and you know mike westoff is this old surly special teams coach great great coach great guy absolutely <laughs> You know, I kind of I see he sees me. Whatever, we're going to practice. There's ninety of us or eighty five of us running running the stretch. So the next day in the special teams meeting, and mind you, there was our practice field for, for people that don't know is probably I don't know eight miles from Fort Lauderdale Airport, but it's right on the same. Like if you went down the middle of our practice fields and just ran straight, you would let, you would run down the runway of Fort Lauderdale Airport eight ten miles later. So we got planes all day to go over overhead, and you could hear you know they'd come and coaches are trying to coach and they're too loud. They had to pause or whatever all day. Every three minutes there's airplanes. So we're in a special teams meeting the next day after I missed pre-practice a couple of days. And Mike Westoff come walks in and he was like, Jason Taylor, where you been? I was like, what do you mean? Where I'm, I've been here. He's like, why was it your ass at pre-practice? And I was like, oh, coach, I didn't think I needed to come out because I wasn't getting any reps. I was just kind of staying around and. I just thought it was, you know, oh, wasting man. time a little bit. He was like, <laughs> he said something about every time you, something about not thinking. I'm like, we don't pay you to think or whatever. And yeah, yeah, your ass needs to be out there. He goes, I said, I'm, I was, I'm a backup. So I didn't think I needed to be out there. He goes, he said, if you ain't out there tomorrow, your ass will be back up on one of them fucking airplanes <laughs> fl- flying back to Akron. <laughs> Mike was great like that. And I was man. like, oh crap. So I went out the next day. I, I might've got one snap the next day. 
But I used to try to go out early before them, before a pre pre practice. Yeah, before Ed and Frank, so I can get a couple snaps in. Right. But I'd be the only idiot out there. So here I am snapping the, the ball against deal. the fence, you know? You know what? They got to stop doing that's that. That's why you're in the Hall of Fame right now, man. Getting that work in before anybody else. Without, <laughs> without anybody out there watching. That's, that's right. Pre-practice. Pre, pre, pre yeah. <laughs> I know one thing. Off. I wasn't on one of the airplanes. That's, that's right. I was worried yeah, about. That's right. That's Only sure. when you wanted to get on them bitches, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. That's for sure. You know, we had, uh, we had John Bach on in, in, the, ah. you know, in season one. And uh, <laughs> we know he's a, he's a tough guy, you know? And I know you guys got into it your rookie year. And we had Bach on. He was talking about it. And for us, for Seth and I, it seemed kind of Hollywood <laughs> the way he was describing, you know, the fight you guys got into. How do you remember that? You put a little mustard encounter? on it the story? Was, yeah, it was, it was a lot, a lot of mustard, man. <laughs> it was it was really, really, uh, you know, I mean, it, even the words from, you know, the, the narrative, everything he said was kind of like, come on, man. But. It's a story. What What are your memories of that encounter? Well, I I, uh, I didn't hear. I didn't. First hear. of all, let's let's back it up. I mean, I know Tiffany fought your battles before. I know you got you got your dub with Charlie Batch. No, I had a you lot know? of dubs between. Yeah, okay. I'm just between Charlie Batch and John Bach, I had a lot of dubs. Don't get it. You got you got one in senior bowl. Don't get it twisted. You see people see me in the street. Don't be trying me now. My sister ain't around. I don't need her. But uh, I mean, I didn't hear John Bach's episode, so I don't know what he said. Talk about but, snapping your but, neck, I think. But, but after... Well, that was uh, Rodney was, Harrison. Oh, it was Rodney Harrison, that's right. It, it wasn't a fight, first of all. It was an ass-whooping. <laughs> so whatever John Bach said, the last thing I'm going to do now is dispute anything he said and have him find me outside <laughs> You don't street. want him looking for you? Because <laughs> I don't want that smoke no more, trust me. But there was a... I don't even think the first... I don't even think the fight was with me. I think it was another one of me, me farming somebody else's land because I, I believe the fight started with him and Zach. Maybe I could be wrong, but... There I think was a I, lot of those, too. Yeah. I think I, I, think I fought Bach once I might have fought with Bach twice, and once was like super broken up real quickly, so it wasn't a whole lot there. But I think the one that we're talking about was was he and Zach were getting into it, and you know how tight we were defensively, and everyone had everybody's back, and we were you know so you know I told him to cut that shit out or whatever. And the next snap, Zach probably blitzed when he wasn't supposed to, and just went right at Bach or whatever, and Bach <laughs> pushed him or hit him or whatever. Well, I thought I was gonna come jump in and clock Bach. I got the first hit in, and then he proceeded to to grab my face mask, and he I swear to God, I've never seen anybody throw so many uppercuts <laughs> in so little time. And he hit me in my stomach, my solar plexus, <laughs> and my esophagus. <laughs> but it was like it was like it was on a, like a boomerang, like I just kept boomeranging. But the whole time he was holding my face mask, and my head couldn't move. Hey, head. Like this was boomerang before boomerang. He was even out on phones. He wore my ass out. Dude, I wanted to throw up. I had to poop. Like, I, every, everything. I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. And then I swear, like, when he walked away, I had to look back and be like, who the hell was that? Was right, right. There's a license plate on and, that fucking thing. You know, I started hallucinating and stuff. And I swear, John, I swear Bach walked back to the offensive huddle. He was a center. I swear he called the huddle, lit a cigarette, started blowing smoke. And the whole time I'm sitting there on the ground, like, what the hell just hit me? What happened? And I turn around and Zach's looking to be like, you all right? I'm like, bitch, I'm trying to help you out. Where were you at? <laughs> trying to catch your breath. You yeah. should have stuck with box story, I think, actually. Just. Yeah, Bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't going to lie. I, I ain't got no problem with admitting. I got, he wore my ass out. I still don't know how he did it. I don't know. And unfortunately, some film. the Hack Brothers used Somebody to stop. Somebody find Dave yeah. Hack. Yeah. The Hack Brothers used to stop the film or something because it wasn't recorded or oh, it was a bad angle. Nobody but. got it? Man, I don't man. think so, man. It was before oh, the days of all these God. GoPros and stuff. It was just oh, one eye in the man. sky. But man, the, the end zone, <laughs> the end zone, and the sideline copy didn't have a good shot of it. That's but. good. That's good for you, though. Yeah, good for good me. For <laughs> good for me. I'm one of those guys that that can laugh at himself, so it wouldn't bother me now to to show people what not to do. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm 
let, let the young kids learn what not to do. If you get into a fight with a guy with short arms, it's Man. that's a, a, a tough <laughs> offensive lineman. You got to keep him at distance. I, right. I got you, too you close. Range, you keep it, yeah. I got Pop too close. Some nasty, yeah. man. So that's but then when we grab that face mask. It's like, oh yeah, bro. That's where oh, you think my yeah. where you think I developed that long arm pass rush from? That was from John Bach. <laughs> I, you got to keep their ass away. <laughs> I learned the hard way. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> 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 the fact that he lit a cigarette, I love that. Yeah, so, that's, that's I, I could see that. It's like, yeah, I walked off into the sunset, <laughs> yeah. called him, yeah, called him. You know, the heat was already rising from the hot grass. Bach it was like, it was like a movie. It, it was like a movie where, like, Oliver Stone would have the, the, the music playing or whatever. You could just see Bach, like, and the smoke were coming out. All right, all right oh, huddle up, huddle up. <laughs> First thing I wanted to do Call was find Zach. I was like, what, I, what are you, yeah. man, I'm here to help you. I wonder what Zach was. He was, just, he was watching that. Zach was probably like, oh, shit. Yeah, I don't want none of that. <laughs> if you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They are the largest auto retailer from coast to coast. And their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on huge selections of new cars, trucks, SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much more. Yeah, Juice, but if you're like me and you're looking to buy pre-owned, you know, I got 186,000 miles on on the Toyota right now. But if you're looking to buy pre-owned, you can shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles. They are all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guarantee. Yeah, or if you just want to get rid of that old car, turn, I in, need to. Yeah, turn in the cash today, get top dollar offer and a check the same day, they'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. And if your check engine light is on, I got that going on as well. Right now, get the services you need at low AutoNation prices. Oil changes, tires, batteries, and more. All for less. Call or visit AutoNation.com to schedule your appointment today. And if you are in the market for a new car, DM us at TheFishTank81 on Twitter. Hopefully you're already following us at TheFishTank81 on Twitter, and we will get your information to an AutoNation senior manager so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. Yeah, yeah, uh This is Ricky J. Mark. In a world where sports radio continues to shift around the whims of corporate interests, we understand that the constant, unexpected changes can be exhausting from time to time. So that's why we think you should sit back, relax, and take five. Uh, Reasons, that is. So go ahead, grab your smartphone, and subscribe to the 5 Reasons Sports Network, available on virtually every podcast platform. We're South Florida's fastest-growing on-demand sports media network. So you decide when you want to tune in. You decide when you want to listen. Because we know your life can be hectic, go ahead, fall in love with our lineup, including Five on the Floor, Three Yards Per Carry, The Fish Tank, Light Skinned Opinions, and Cinco Razones. Whenever you want. All you need is an internet connection. So go ahead, tune in. Try us out. We're by Miami, for Miami, and spreading rapidly throughout South Florida. Well, there was another guy on the team that uh, <laughs> that you didn't necessarily have that kind of an experience with, but uh, this guy was there one year before you uh, and was in your D-line re- meeting room a, a lot, was Daryl Gardner. <laughs> and uh, you and Shorty weren't the best of friends. You guys weren't the best of friends. We know that he and Juice had uh, had an interesting mm-hmm. relationship, and we've talked about that here on the show as well. I, and I'm sure you could tell Shorty stories for an entire podcast. But my favorite story with you and Shorty was the time that all of you guys <laughs> thought you were fast and the furious on the motorcycles <laughs> and used to ride. And, and we're not talking Harleys, Juice. No. 
these were yeah, yeah, yeah these were these were the crotch rockets and there were like 20 of you guys but daryl gardner 6'6 320 pounds big ass would get on this tiny little bike and these guys would go flying down 595 you tell that story jeez and it's an all-timer so you know you guys are talking about daryl gardner who we call shorty on this podcast before so i hope <laughs> people understand you know, it's like when you see that fat guy that's 420 pounds and his nickname is Tiny. That's that's Shorty. So Shorty is anything but short. He's taller than me. He's probably 6'7". He's 315 pounds. Probably in his heyday, he probably still is nowadays, he was like five and a half, six percent 6% body fat. You guys know, he's just, yep. just a, a monster. I think he's bodybuilding now. A, is he? Yeah. So he's probably got 2% body fat. But just, I mean, he was a machine. He's the kind of guy when you pull up to a stadium, you let him off the bus first. And then everybody, you know, the crowd, the players are all like, oh, crap, we're in for it. But so Daryl's this huge guy. A couple guys start getting bikes, crotch rockets. So I didn't know how to ride. I bought a, a Honda CBR 600. It's a small bike. I mean, it's still fast, but probably a little bit too small for some of my size or whatever. It's, I bought it. It was used. It was cheap and it was fast. So a couple guys start getting bikes and I, you know, Kenny Mixon. I don't know. It's probably, like you said, there's probably a dozen of us at least that have bikes. So Daryl goes out and buys a bike. And Daryl had, Daryl was always one better. Like Daryl. One better. Darryl, <laughs> Maybe two better. Daryl will always show you up. Like I, you get something, he gets something better. Whatever. So Daryl gets a bike and he got like a, what's it called? A Habusa or whatever. whatever. Like he wanted them super fast, 1100. Like it's. Like it's a Nassau he uses right. shit to go with the fucking moon. Like he didn't need it. And he didn't know how to ride. He got that and don't know so, how to ride. Yeah. So we're out in Weston. We're out here in Weston at a gas station. We had to come pick, meet somebody out here. And we're going to go to Fort Lauderdale Beach. So we're leaving Weston. And I think we're like on Indian Trace about the turn on the 84. They didn't get up on 595. And us guys that knew how to ride a little bit were in the front. And we go. And then. I look in the rear view, look in my rear view, and Daryl's coming around the corner, and you know, eighty four is two lanes going one way, and he like came on the inside lane. He took a little wide and to the outside lane, oh, almost to the to the yellow line, and then he brought it back. I'm like, well, that's a little bit of a wide turn, but whatever. We start going, so we're hauling butt down five ninety five. That's three hundred twenty pounds. We're down by the airport, so you know where the airport ends to go to US-1, that big loop around to go US-1 north. Anyone from down here knows what I'm talking about. So we're heading down 595 East, and we're right by the airport, like I said, Fort Lauderdale Airport. And that little strip there, you know, there's usually a cop that sits right underneath the bridge from 95. If there's Always. not a cop there, yeah. you're, you're good till you get to the end of the airport. So we're racing airplanes down the runway like idiots. <laughs> wow, flying down the highway. Well, Daryl's in the back. Daryl and somebody else are in the back. And on a, on a crotch rocket, when you shift gears, you could tell because the headlight pops a little bit. So you look in the mirror, you see guys are shifting gears and, and getting it. So you know, I'm getting it. We're all trying to fly down there. But right where the airport exit is, you need to start coming off it a little bit and downshifting before you hit that curve. Because the curve is tight. It's a, it's a full circle. So I'm downshifting. Now we're all downshifting. You can hear all the bikes downshifting. And I look in the mirror and I see Shorty's headlights oh, still, like he's no, still shifting no. gears. <laughs> and he comes flying by us, gets into the turn. But he's all the way on the inside, and it's it's like almost like racetrack slope because right. civil engineers and and you know the traffic division understand that you know inertia or whatever you can only go. That's why they have speed limits on those turns. So Daryl's all the way down the inside, and as he's trying, he's not leaning. He's trying to turn the wheel. With, oh man! And the bike starts crossing one lane, crosses the dotted line into the other lane, over the yellow line. Through the median, now you see rocks kicking up, and then the bike just disappears over the hill. It's before they they renovated it. It was like a, it used to be a hill and a ditch down there. The bike goes over the hill. Daryl goes over the hill with the bike, and all you see is he was wearing some Jordans. So all you see is one one Jordan go flying up in the air. It flew off his foot, and it bounced on the ground. 
So we're like, oh crap. So some of us already buy them. Luckily, there was no cars coming that oh, he crossed the lane. Lucky. So we look back real quick. There's no cars. So we do a U-turn and we bring our bikes back down. But when we get to him, Daryl's on the side of the hill <laughs> over the ditch. And this shows how big and strong this dude is. He's, he's braced Daryl on the bottom of the ditch, holding the bike up above him. And he's like, yo, yo, grab this. <laughs> grab this. <laughs> oh, mind you, the bike was brand new. He had just bought it like two days before. He's like, grab it, grab it. So a bunch of us run down there, hold the bike, and he, you know, he gets up. We we drag it to the top of the hill. He's all embarrassed. He's all scuffed up, and one of his shoes is off. He's all dirty. The bike is all messed up. So we gather ourselves. We got we go to a gas station right there on uh, on eighty four and US one. There's like a mobile station we're crossing the Mercedes dealership. So we're there. <laughs> Daryl's looking at his bike, two days old, brand new bike. He, you know, the little windshield washer thing. He gets the little windshield washer stick out. With he's the water, trying, with the shitty water? He, yeah. Come he's on. trying to clean it off. And we're like, shorty, them were scratches, bro. They ain't coming out. They were ruined. I think we were going down to like Hooters or something on the beach. Oh, God. <laughs> so, you know, he, he gets all put back together. He's got some scratches and bumps and bruises. And we start riding to Hooters. And then he was like, he was pissed off and embarrassed. And he's like, yo, I'm bouncing. He, he did a U-turn. He yeah, went home. Go. He didn't want to take his scarred bike to, to Hooters. <laughs> oh. But it was hilarious. But you say he clean pressed the thing. He just no. lifted oh, it He was just holding the bike. He was just holding the bike up the hill like, yo, yo, grab this. <laughs> How I'm many like, guys had to grab the bike? <laughs> like two or three of us. Right, we started right. trying to yeah, pull it up the hill. Because yeah. it's all rocky. I mean, they've since redone it now. And there's like oh. grass there. And the slope isn't yeah, as bad. Yeah, but, man, before it was a ditch. And there was, I mean, you look down at the bottom of the thing. There was car parts and hubcaps. And, you know, he wasn't the only one that went over that hill. God, you know, and we're laughing now because obviously he ultimately yeah, was okay. Fine, yeah. but, but just the idea of yeah. Shorty's Godzilla ass down there handing you a motorcycle. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorites. That's great. That's great. You know, we had uh, we had Channing on the show, Channing Crowder. Oh, Lord. You know, a lot of good uh, stories. You know, uh, he, he was telling a story about his rookie year, 2005, under, under Nick Saban. And uh, I guess you guys took a, a terrible L. I think like 22 nothing to a Cleveland team. You guys went to 3-7. and seven, And uh, he said you had some choice words. In the locker room afterwards, man. Tell, tell us about you know what you did after that. That, that first of all, the, the shitty game against a shitty team, and you guys go to three and seven under Nick. Because I think they were three and whatever. They were too. awful. They were, they terrible. were terrible. They were awful. Terrible. I don't even know if they had three wins. Um, <laughs> they did at the end of that day. So yeah, we go up to Cleveland, play the Browns, and Zach got hurt in that game. Oh, is that the game with uh, was it Charlie sh- Fryer or somebody that he tried to? Yeah, I, I think you're know. right. He he was hurt. I remember he got hurt and he came in early. You know, we're losing. I think we lost like twenty to nothing or twenty to whatever it was. And it was it was Channing's rookie year. It was also Matt Roth's rookie year. Matt Roth was a, Oh yeah. We heard all a, about him. Was a DN for us. So we're we're in the game and we're already losing to this terrible team and and Zach's hurt, so I'm a, I mean I'm a pissed off at the time and, and we had some guys that hadn't totally bought in yet. I'll say it that way for now. I hadn't totally bought in yet to to lay it all on the line, and you know the way we, the way we try to take pride in what we do. So we had guys that were like checking out of the game, or they would rotate. And I'm like, it's 70 degrees outside. There ain't no reason to rotate. You ain't tired. Yada yada yada. So at some point, Matt Roth comes in the huddle during a TV timeout. <laughs> and Matt Roth's a rookie, and you know he was still learning what he was doing. And you know, great kid, great you know, great kid. It was a draft pick for us. Good player. You know, big strong kid. But I, I guess I just I wasn't in the mood, and I guess I didn't feel like he was ready yet. So I'm like, what are you doing in here? In the huddle during a TV timeout, you know, we kind of mill around for two minutes. I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, coach sent me in. So-and-so's out of the game. You know, there was a couple guys that had to rotate it. I'm like, nah, get your ass out of here. Get out. And Matt's a rookie, so he's like kind of doing what he's told. So he like starts to make his way off the field. And then the D-line, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Dan Quinn at the time. Dan Quinn was, or whoever the D-line coach was like sending him back in. I'm like, no, nah, get get his ass out. Get him out. He ain't, he ain't playing. 
Well, the, the other guys that had a chance to play weren't coming in for whatever reason. So Matt had to come in the game. So he comes in and he's in the huddle and we're all, you know, threatening him, don't you mess this up or whatever and all that <laughs> stuff. Anyway, we lose the game. We go in and uh, there were some guys that, that I felt like quit because they did. So so we go in the locker room. Because they did. And Nick calls everybody up and tells everyone to take a knee. And usually when Nick said take a knee, like if guys were sitting in the background, he'd, he'd get mad. Yeah, I said take a knee. And, you know, he'd get down. Nick says take a knee and they say a prayer. And then he starts doing his post-game talk. And typically he talks. When he's done, we break it down and everyone goes. But the whole time he's talking, I, I couldn't take a knee. I was just pacing. I was walking around the back and I'm pacing because I'm, <laughs> I'm on fire. I'm trying to figure out how I can handle this. Not that I really cared about doing it the right way. So I'm pacing. The whole time he's talking, I'm just walking around the back of the of the group. And he's doing his thing and he's yelling a little bit and trying to be diplomatic some and encouraging some and motivational some. And the whole time I'm walking, like every once in a while, like I'd walk by Channing and you know, he'd like look back and see me walking or Matt Roth because they were both, the rookies kind of stay in the back. And they're like looking at me. And the way it was set up was Nick was over there. The whole huddle was here. And then the training room door was here. You could see into the training room. So every time I walked that way and I would turn around, I could see in and I could see Zach. Zach was laying there on the training table and he's all hurt or whatever. And <laughs> Nick got done. And then he just paused for a second. He goes, anybody else got anything? Because oh, he knew something was up. Anybody else got anything? And I'm, you fucking right I do, and I just start going off. <laughs> I start going off about guys quitting and not laying on the line, and Zach's in there hurt, and he's dying to come back out and play, and some of you guys don't want to finish. You guys are soft as shit. And, and there was a coffee machine there, which, I mean, the coffee was probably from the morning, so I didn't worry about wasting the coffee. It was probably there for you, yeah. by the way. And I, they and, probably bought the coffee machine for and you. And I, I hit the coffee machine, wow, I slapped it in the pot of coffee, flew off, and the glass shattered, and the coffee goes down the back of Matt Raw. <laughs> But but he's already scared because I yell at him on the, on the field. So he's probably like, uh. and there, there's shit everywhere. Scalding I remember coffee. I, I, I kicked the man. table. I think it had Gatorade and stuff on it. I'm going ballistic. And I basically told guys, if you don't want to be here, leave. Just quit. I say, you know, just quit. We'll give you a ride back to Miami tonight. But when we get back, pack your shit and quit. And I'll pay your salary for the rest of the year. Like, I'm just going off. I'll pay your I salary the rest of the I year. Love it. I was like, you don't want to be here. I don't want you here. And I go off for probably five minutes. I'm not going to get into everything I said because it was, it was pretty bad. Podcast. So we get done. We break it. I don't even know if we broke it down. I think everyone just kind of went their ways. <laughs> broke it down. Yeah. And there was, really, there was really one guy I was talking to. I think you broke to. it down. <laughs> there was, yeah. There was, only, there was one guy I was really talking to. And some people knew who I was talking about. Like, two people knew who I was talking about. Do you think... He knew who you were talking about. He, he knew. Okay. You, you, he knew. you look at him at all when you were talking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, because there was people around that helped yeah. in case something happened, in case a fight broke out. Tiffany. Tiffany was in the hallway. It wasn't Cleveland. It was Cleveland. Actually, she was, she was at the game. She was out in the parking lot. So, so I'm like, we get done. We go in the shower. And I'm steaming. So the media's got to come in. They try to give us a longer, quiet period. Because if you were in the hallway, you heard everything that was right. going on. And typically, the media is out in the hallway. So they try to give us some time. Harvey comes I think Harvey was still there. Yeah. I'll Harvey comes over and tells me, like, hey, we're about to let him in. So I kind of went into a back room. And I'm, like, one of the last guys to get in the shower. Now, I'm not – I wasn't a bully on the team. I wasn't I, – I wasn't threatening – like, I wasn't threatening the players. Like, I would – you know, things had to be done a certain way, and I was... Uh, we call that leadership. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. There it is. So I walk in the shower. I forget who was in there. It was like two players left in the shower. And like, it was like a jailhouse. I walk in the shower, and they both like... <laughs> they still had soap on. They both like leave the shower. They get out. <laughs> so I got the whole shower to myself. So I finish showering, and I go into... On the side room, there was Joey and the equipment staff. Joey and Charlie are on the side in their equipment room. And I go in there, and usually, as you know, there's like leftover food from halftime, hot dogs, pizza, whatever. So I go in there, 
and it's Joey, Charlie, and you know their staff, some of their interns, as they're trying to get stuff loaded up in the bus to get out of there. And Vonnie Holiday's in there, and Zach was in there now. Zach walked in with me. And Vonnie Holiday's standing there, and, and he's eating a hot dog or whatever. I walk over, I get a hot dog, and Joey and Charlie are, like, scared to talk to me. They're, like, looking at me, and I love those guys to death. They're, like, great friends. Yeah. So I kind of crack a little smile, and Joey comes over and gives me that little hug, like, you okay? I'm, I'm glad you did that. I just want to make sure you're okay. Papa Joey, yeah. Charlie walks by, like, gives me dap, and looks at me like, oh, shit, all right, gives me dap. So I start talking to Vonnie. I'm like, man, that mother, you know, I'm going off, because he knew who I was talking about. <laughs> and we're talking, and then Vonnie... I, was, I had my back to the door, and Vonnie's eyes are like, he opens his eyes a little bit as I'm talking, then he like starts turning away from me like he's ignoring me. So I get the hint like somebody came in. I turn around, it's the dude I was talking about. So I'm standing there eating this cold, stale-ass hot dog, and the dude I'm talking about walks up, he's like, man, I'm glad you said that, man. We, <laughs> what? Like, these guys, these guys out here bullshitting. And <laughs> wow. So Vonnie has now backed up a little bit. He's standing behind the guy I was talking to, and Vonnie's like, don't, don't do, chill, bro, just chill. And Vonnie, like, picking up his bags, like, come on, it's time to go. So I'm sitting there listening to the guy, he's like, you have some bullshit, part. these guys quitting like that, and you'll get all day on the line, and I'm like, I'm eating this hot dog, I wanted, I wanted to slap with the hot dog. <laughs> All right, so I put, I put I my, I put my hot, I throw my hot dog in the trash, I grab my shit and go to the bus. So I'm steaming on the bus. Giovanni and the dude's on the bus on the same bus as us. I'm steaming on the bus going to the airport. We get to the airport. No, first of all, we're in the, on the bus. Channing's dumbass. You know, Channing's a clown. <laughs> Channing walks up. He was like, What's up, big dog? And he was a rookie, right? Yeah, he yeah, was a rookie. Yeah. He's like, What's up, big dog? And I'm like, What's up, Channing? He's like, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I was like, What's up? And he was like, Hey, was you was you serious about paying our money? <laughs> That's Channing right Channing there. Channing doing the math. I'm like, I'm like, Channing, this ain't the time, bro. Leave, leave me alone, man. This is not the time. Too soon. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, I just, I just wanted to clarify that before I made any decisions. I'm like, Channing, <laughs> get your ass away from me. He was doing the math. So then we get in the airplane. Oh, you know, God. once we take off, some of the vets would hang out in the galley a little bit, up in the kitchen. So I'm standing up in the kitchen. It's me and Zach, and Vonnie's up there again. And we're and I'm like, man, I can't believe this some bitch walking in the training room, or the equipment room and talking about, and then that player walked hmm. back up. He was like, hey, man, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, yeah. And so he like, asked the other guys if, you know, he, if he could talk to me alone. So they started to walk away. And I'm like, I wanted to grab Vonnie and be like, hey, man, stay close just in case something go down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he was like, hey, man, I know you were talking about me, and I apologize. I, you know, I, wow, I wasn't okay. feeling it. I, I don't know why I did that. It's not me. And yada, yada. I'm like, well, you did it. And now you got to prove to me that it ain't you because as far as I'm concerned, it is. Right. And until you prove otherwise, that's that's who you are. I just I got no respect for that. And we we talked a little bit, and we were fine after that. You know, that's we, great. You can't, I can't wow. cut him, but you, you always know in the back of your mind that this is the guy that you always that when when yeah. shit hits the fan, he probably ain't gonna be there for you. Exactly. So that right. first time he came up to you, he was because there was other people there. He was trying to make them think that it wasn't him. So he knew from the beginning, obviously. I, I think he did. That's unless, what it sounds unless like. Unless Vonnie or somebody went and told him, "Hey, bro, like." Asshole, you talking about you. you? Yeah. Nah, I think he was trying to deflect. Like, yeah, I think he was yeah, too. And it, then get I you think, in I private. think he was doing a check. He's trying to check with JT to see if he was talking nah, about Nah, it sounds like that motherfucker knew exactly <laughs> who he was talking about. Now, listen, he, he I'm 99.9% sure he knew. Before the game was over, he knew. When I was in the locker room going off, he knew. It's like if you go to church and you feel like you're the only person there and the preacher's talking right to you, then he probably, he probably is. is. Yeah. <laughs> Not that so, I spent a lot of time in church, Like, even when we go to the sideline, like, we went to the sideline the rest of the game. Like when the defense would come off, you know, you kind of give them that look. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why? Why are you sitting there? 
All right, then we go down. We're looking at the pictures, and he wants to come over. Oh, let me see. Let me see the pic. Man, get you. And I balled up, and I throw it under the bench. Like, so that's probably a there. telltale sign. Yeah, yeah he, I would he think. Knew. He knew. <laughs> that's, that's, now, having said that, Juice, they win the next six games. Right. You know, so, so they heard something. I know, JT, you've told me some coaches came up to you afterwards and were appreciative of that. And, and clearly, Nick Saban just fell in love with you at that point. I mean, if you guys, if he wasn't already in love with you, fell in love with you, adopted you. I don't know if you know this, Juice, but his name is actually legally last name is Saban. Yeah, I know. Because Nick adopted him. He's, we, he's stuck right. with the Taylor well, thing. Sorry. But, <laughs> so Nick leaves to not become the Alabama. I'm a head coach, and then the Dolphins. Y'all got to stop with that. The, the doll, uh, you know, actually, JT, and, and uh, full disclosure, I've tried to get every person on here to fucking badmouth Nick, and they Nobody all speak so. Zach, you Zach know, was, Zach wanted to be treated like a grown ass man, but everybody else really speaks very highly of Nick. I, I have to put that out there as much as I've tried. So then the Dolphins, you know, they bring in Joe Bailey and everybody else and all the brain trust, and they go out and they're going to find the best head coach to replace Nick Saban. And, and we get Cam Cameron, right? So in comes the great Cam Cameron. You're tripping. And again, you guys didn't hit it off right away. Why, <laughs> right did, away. You and, why did you and Cam not gel? And what's your favorite memory of the Cam Cameron so experience? Tripping, man. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> this is what we call a setup. First of all, back to Nick Saban. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I have to, because you know how much respect I have Absolutely. for Nick and how much I love Nick. Absolutely. And whether people like it or not, I'm going to say it. This whole thing about Nick Saban saying, I'm not going to be the Alabama head coach and then taking a the job. No shit, Sherlock. He's in the middle of a season. He can't say, yes, I'm leaving in four weeks to go coach Alabama when he has a team that he doesn't want to lose here already. Freaking media is not going to let it go. But I, I challenge anybody out there that's, all oh, the way Nick left, he lied to us. He lied. Find me a head coach in the NFL that is not lying to you on a weekly basis, and I will show you 32 liars. They're all. T- they're not telling you the truth. They're telling you what, you what they want you to hear. So whether it be the, the greatest coaches ever, whether it be Belichick or all the way down to Cam Cameron, they're all telling you – they're all lying. It, it, all that's what they have to do. All the way That's what they have to do. We call that a segue. Even, <laughs> even in college, like these guys – yeah, they're not telling you the truth all the time. And people got their feelings hurt about Nick left and he did this. Maybe he treated th- people differently in the building and I and I can't attest for that. And, that. and if, you know, whatever, whatever he had with other people was is between he and they. But everyone bashing Nick for leaving, bro, the guy left and he's won whatever, five, six national championships. Well, truth be told, that's why most people are mad. Because they're know, hating. I, I don't love the way that he had, But if he had left and become Cam Cameron, nobody would give a shit. Nobody would give, we're glad he lied to us and we're right. glad he's gone. But because he went on to become the greatest coach in college football history, then it just – and we became a dumpster fire. It, it makes things a little bit more So difficult. they're hating. So, yeah, you call it hating. Sure. No, Whatever I it just, is. I love that you stick up for your dude, though. It's, it's so stupid, the whole thing of people saying – like when you look at some of these young kids, like Baker Mayfield got mad at, at uh, Hugh Jackson for taking a job in Cincinnati. Like he's a traitor. Right. Come on, man. Bro, it's a, what are you talking about? He's it's just rallying the troops, man. Business, He's rallying like, the dog pound. Business. Business. All this stuff blows my mind. But yeah. Nick Saban. He's young. He don't know. He doesn't now, know Juice, the, the best part of. about the Nick Saban, JT, love affair, relationship, defensive player of the year, all that great stuff, the best part about it is that when Jim Bates was the interim head coach and somebody said, you know, there were rumors that Nick was going to get this job and it was like the last game in national television and they're asking JT. I don't give a damn about Nick Saban. Jim Bates is my head coach. That's, that's the loyalty, as much yep, as he's a hard yep, ass. Yep. And then Nick was going to turn JT into a stand-up player, remember? And he wanted you to bow down and kiss the ring, and then he could. <laughs> he no, was he, saying this. Gary was talking shit. You were out on a boat not taking his calls. I love he didn't the way want me to bow down and kiss the ring. He wanted me to <laughs> play linebacker, and I wasn't comfortable doing that. Right. You know, I'd been in the Pro Bowl, I don't know how many times, as a DN. whole bunch. 
so I wasn't comfortable making the change. A lot of sex. You know, I'm like, why would I change what's working for me? And but, you know, we we had a talk, and he I was taking a trip on the boat down to the Keys, and he he wanted to talk. And I'm like, I'm on the boat. I'm busy. I'm on the boat. You know, playing hard to get. Oh, like, he told only, me, tell only, his ass I'll yeah, get him when I get back. Do that shit. Right <laughs> there, I'll, I'll talk to him when I get back. And you know, he really, how long's your ride to the Keys? I'm like, I got three hours. I got time right now to talk. So, long story short, he ended up. We ended up getting on the phone, and we talked. And I'm damn near running the ground, not paying attention, running the keys, and and uh, we talked for like an hour on the phone. And by the time that that conversation was over. I wanted to turn around and go back to the facility and start working. Work. Like he, I like that. He sold me that much on it, and and obviously it ended up being my favorite, two of my favorite years in, in my career. You know, playing under him. Yeah, in that, I love, in that I love seeing him out there in that system. He's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, it was great. He was all over the place. It, it was a lot of left fun. And right. And, it was. It was the best. Yeah. It, it was. Took a lot advantage of, fun to of watch. your athleticism, right. man. Right. And then he started. To, you know, he he helped my football knowledge. He started to understand protections and where the teams are trying to do on third down. And I, you know, I would help put the third down game plan together, you know, rush plan together. So you start to he started to force me to be more than just an, an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, be a, be a student of the game and learn the game and learn why we're doing certain things, how we attack protections. You know, where they like to slide, where you know where the quarterback likes to get the ball out, his set point, his release point, all those kind of things. And once you do that, it's like everything slows down. You're like, holy cow, this is. Things really become clear. Well, before he took that call, though, Juice, <laughs> Gary was quoted in the paper as saying something about, I don't know why, you know, you're talking about changing the position of a four-time pro bowler who's got 75 sacks. Well, he said something. So then Nick finally came out because Nick didn't want to deal with the shit. Right. And he finally came out and said, I have tremendous respect for you. So he said something publicly and and said something that was um, complimentary. And Gary calls me, goes, dude, I smoked his ass out. I fucking <laughs> smoked him out. I got him out from underneath that little, you know. So Gary always had JT's back. But, you know, enough about Nick Saban. Let's talk about the Cam Cameron relationship. And what, you know, where did we go wrong there? Um, I, You know, there were some things that went wrong for years, I guess. And, you know, the draft started drying up a little bit. A lot, a lot of things compounded and came to head in 2000. What was that, seven? Yep. In 2007. And, you know, they, they hired Cam Cameron, I guess, who was the hot coordinator coming from San Diego at the time. And you know, when the Chargers were in San Diego, I mean, it was it was a it was a dumpster fire. I mean, it was just, it was bad. It was, and, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and, and kill the guy too much, but we didn't get along. We didn't see eye to eye. Most players on the team didn't. I'm still convinced he didn't want myself and Zach here. His, his, who was his GM? Randy Mueller, maybe? Maybe. Probably, yeah. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Randy Mueller. Yeah. You know, they, they were trying to trade Zach and they wanted to get, they wanted to get rid of us and, you know, brought Joey Porter in that year. And I thought Joey could help in that whole linebacker group of myself and Zach and Joey on the other side. And, you know, it, but, you know, Cam was just one of those guys that, you know, he's the smartest guy in the room. Just ask him. He'll tell you. <laughs> and that's how it always was. And, and it, there was little things like, you know, you start to tr- you try to undercut. You've been around a long time, Juice, and you guys have all been in the locker room a long time. You, you see the best teams are, are run because they have structure upstairs. They have a, a philosophy that everybody buys into team-wise, which comes from the head coach. And then they allow their leadership in their locker room to forward that message, mm-hmm. to kind of fly their flag for them. And then when everybody's bought in in a solid system and a solid philosophy, in a solid program, and you put good players in it, then then you succeed. I, the, the fail forward fast was kind of our motto. I'm like, are we going to make fucking bumper stickers that say fail forward fast? What is that? You didn't get one of those? Like, fail forward fast. Like, we all made other words for those abbrevi- for the triple Fs, whatever. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not going to Yeah, I'm like, what is this fail forward? Whatever. So, we, you know, you try to do it. You try to be the raw, raw guy. And I remember having a conversation with, with Zach early in camp. We were like four or five days into camp at breakfast one day. And you kind of sit down and do this state of the team. And, you know, where are we at? What, what do you think? And, 
you know, you start to do like what fans do sometimes. You look at the schedule and be like, all right, New England and, and Foxborough, okay, we're 0-1. Um, you know, you start to look at, okay, we can get this, we can get this. If things go right here, if we're healthy by November and we go into this stretch of two row games, you know, kind of do that. And we're both sitting there early in camp. We're like, bro, we're – <laughs> we're <trouble>. fucked. <laughs> like this, this, this can get bad. It you didn't know bad. you were that fucked, though. No, did you? we did. We, I really? didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be a one in fifteen. But yeah, we knew that we were way off the rails. So there was wow. this was not going to be a good football team. And you could you could see it early in camp. You get through. You know, the offense is always behind in camp to start because they they're installed and they're getting acclimated to what they're doing. Is takes a little longer than defense because right. defense you're just you know you're you're a battering ram. You know, so in the, after the first week you're like, mm, I think we're a little behind. Then you start looking at the defense and we're like, whoa, we got issues. Front side, front end, in the middle, in the back. It was like by the second week, we knew we were. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Now we fought. I will say the locker room stayed together majority of the season. We fought. We lost a lot of close games, which some of the decisions done by the coaches and, and game management things, and some of the calls we made were were off base, and we you know we kind of exposed ourselves sometimes. And you think Cam needed more work in the preseason? Because I know he took a game. No, when he took off. a game off to, to let <laughs> Dom Capers <laughs> yeah. be, be the be the head coach for the last preseason game. Oh, that and one! I think Cam, the Cam going to box. I don't know if Cam was in the box. Or yeah, he was he wasn't on the sidelines. Yeah. And who was the who was our offensive Malarkey. guy? Malarkey, two guys who had been head coaches. Yeah, two guys that had been head coaches were getting practice being a head coach in case something happened to Cam. I'm one like, who coached in a conference championship. He never had head coaching experience. No, That's the crazy part. Yeah. No, and it, later on in the year it became clear why he did it. I'm like, because he knew what at some point during the season one of us was gonna whoop his ass and he wasn't gonna make it on a sun on a Sunday. But so let's talk about that awful. for a second. <laughs> at some point during the season because Cam, I think, wanted to, you know, we, we've heard this with different guys, and Cam wanted to be, uh, as you said, not only the smartest guy in the room, or he knew he was the smartest guy in the room, but the alpha, and he wasn't necessarily an alpha personality, and uh, <laughs> to see the look on his face. This is a podcast, but I wish you could have seen the look on JT's face, but there was a time, there was a moment in a meeting where if you want to talk about the alphas of all alphas, a friend of yours was in the neighborhood and stopped by camp. Is that a story you're willing to tell? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> he, he won't care. So we're we're bad. We're zero and eight, whatever. And it, we used to have it's before they did some renovation in the building. So the D line. This is another. This is another genius thing because we needed more room in the building for whatever. Twenty years ago, we had fifty three players plus practice squad. Two thousand seven, we had fifty three players plus practice squad. But whatever, we needed more room. So they got these double wide trailers that they put out in the players' parking lot. So the D line would meet in the double in the double wide trailers. The only good thing about it is the AC was super cold, so it got real cold in there. Bad thing is some of the lazy D linemen would fall asleep because of the cold. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we're out there. So a friend of mine is texting me, blowing me up that he's over at Grand Oaks, which is about a I don't know, not even a mile away, whatever, playing golf. Come play golf. Come play golf. I'm like, bro, I'm in practice. Like I we just finished practice. We have meetings. So the guy happened to be Michael Jordan. It was Michael Jordan and Charles Oakley. They're over there playing golf. And the he's guy like, happened to be Michael Jordan. Happened to be, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, man, fuck that practice. Like, <laughs> we what are you guys practicing? practicing? You're 0 8. <laughs> he's like, what do you guys do there? Like, play checkers? <laughs> That's fucked up. So I'm like, nah, man, we're, we're, we got meetings. Like, as soon as the meetings are over, I'll come by. And I was actually going to talk to uh, K- um, who was the D line coach? Casey Rogers was the D line coach of the town. So I was going to actually tell Kate, like, hey, I need to bounce a little earlier. I'm about to go meet somebody. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll, I'll get over there as soon as I can. So they end up getting done. He was like, well, we done now. Like, screw it. And I was like, well, c- why don't you just come by? You come, come by and say, what's up? You're, only, you're less than a mile away. So we're out in the double wides, and everybody else is in the building, just the D-lines in the parking lot. So Mike and uh, Mike and Charles Oakley come by. They, they drive over to the facility, and they walk into the, into the D-line double wide. 
And they're already looking like, is the NFL team, you guys in a trailer? In a trailer. I'm like, ah, oh, we're going through construction. Just come on in. So they walk it's in the room. And place. I didn't tell anybody they were coming. I didn't tell, I didn't tell Coach Rogers they were coming either. And they walk in the room, and you know, the, door, the door's in the front of the trailer, and the screen's up there. So And it's one of those loud, squeaky doors. So it opens up, and everyone looks, and they're like, Coach pauses the film. He's like, and God walks in the door. Yeah, freaking, like, your light's like, ah. Yeah. yeah, so when the door opens up, they're like, the light's <laughs> You know, they're already dark skinned, so you can't see anything. But all of a sudden, as Mike gets closer to the screen, it's like, he reveals it as Mike. And everyone starts going crazy and stuff. They're trying to play it cool, but they're like, you know, of course. pissing themselves. And so he comes in, he sits down for a while. They got drinks in their hands and stuff, and we're chilling. And all of a sudden, I guess the security saw him on the camera. So Cam walks downstairs, calls a team meeting. So everyone has to go in the building in the team meeting room, and then I guess he, as we're walking in, Cam runs into Mike in the hallway and like shakes his hand and you know, tries to give him like the little hug, like the, the, the bro little hug. bro hug, and like like stiff arms and like yo, who is this? And he, so Cam gets up and in front of the team, and he was like, he he wanted Mike to talk, and I'm like, that's the last thing you do. Like the dude's coming by to hang out and chill in the meetings. He don't he ain't trying to go speak to the team, and it was it was bad. It put me in an uncomfortable position. I told Mike, I was like, listen, if you want to do it, just say no, man. Just screw that. Just say no. And he's like, nah, it's all good, whatever. You know, he's he's good about his brand, you know, obviously. And so Cam gets up her intros at me. He's like, yeah, I played against this guy in college, and yeah, and we all sit there like, damn, I didn't know Cam played against Mike in college. And, <laughs> So my, Mike's like, what the hell am I going to say to a to an OA team? Like, <laughs> talk, talk to freaking losing team? So Mike goes up there and talks for a minute, and Mike kind of punked him a little bit, was like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know about the whole thing about playing your coach in college. Maybe he was on a team or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we, we did play Indiana, so maybe he was on the team. But, uh, you know, they talked to us for a minute. And then Channing Crowder, he probably didn't share this part of the story. Channing Crowder, because everyone, you know, everyone was sweating Mike. You know, Mike is – Michael's like God, yeah. So it is Michael Jordan, and you know I was I was fanboying when I first met him, and and still to this day, you know, respect the heck out of him, and was was a big fan of his. But Channing was like, was trying to play Mr. Cool because everyone was like, wanted to come shake his hand and say hello or whatnot. People were getting stuff signed. People were running people's lockers and grabbing shoes, and I used to wear Jordan (laughs) cleats, right? So people were coming and getting my cleats signed. I'm like, yo, I gotta wear those this weekend. Like, that's my practice (laughs) shoes or whatever. So Channing's like, man, you know, sweat Michael Jordan. I don't care about Michael Jordan. So Channing like tries to go walk out of the meeting room and not say hi. He's like, man, people sweating his ass, man. Get off his dick. I'm like. So, obviously, the next day, Channing was like, damn, I should have got something signed by Mike. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably never see him again. <laughs> yeah, but 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 anyway, Cam tried to like act like he had Mike come by to speak to the team. And I, right. You know, I try to be a good soldier, and I'm just sitting there like, all right, whatever. I just just let it go. You try to make it like it was his connection. Like, oh, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's funny, man. So after that great experience with Cam Cameron, Michael Jordan, everything, yeah, they bring in a future Hall of Famer to, to pretty much run the show. Bill Parcell. <laughs> Y'all tripping, man. You guys, I mean, you, guys didn't, <laughs> you guys didn't get off to a great start, JT. And as a matter of fact, you know, hearing some of the stories, you know, tell me a story about the hearing aids not being turned on. There's a lot of stuff between you and Bill that went down, man. But tell us tell us a couple of stories with you and Bill, man. Same situation with you and Nick. You and guys cool like that? So, no. <laughs> Y'all tripping, man. <laughs> How long is this thing? When we done? Yeah, we almost there. How much time you We're got? We're ready to turn the page. We so there. after the 07 season, they obviously fire Cam. So he was the head coach for whatever nine, ten months. A cup of coffee for fifteen losses. Yeah, they fire Cam, and uh, 
Parcells comes in as you know the, the godfather of football, the president of operations or whatever. So to start, like at the end of the year, everyone knew that they hired Bill Parcells. So I think it was our last week, last week of the season, maybe the second to last week. They had hired him. We saw it on ESPN. Then word gets out he's in the building. So like the guys that used to go outside, you know, for a, a one o'clock practice, they would go outside at twelve fifty nine. Now everyone's outside at twelve forty. <laughs> I'm like Those guys. me and Cam, Cam uh, me and Cam Wake, and, and you know maybe a couple other players are the only ones left in the locker room. I'm like, why? It's like a ghost town in here. What's oh, Bill Parcells is in the building. I'm like, oh, fuck that. Like, what are we gonna do? Go win the last game and mess up our draft pick? We already won in 14. So fuck around. I used to go outside like to let you know a couple minutes before we had to be out there. I Cam Wake and I would walk out. So we're going out now, and the, the locker room door was propped open, and you could see a couple guys like running down the hallway toward the, the exit door to go out in the field. Like guys that are normally just chill. So I get right by where over where your old locker used to be, that little area. He went out that door. So I'm going out the door, and right when I walk out the door, Bill Parcells is like literally like five feet away as he's walking toward the practice field. So Cam Wake like does a little dip and rip around the corner, and he runs out the door. <laughs> That's how I led his sack. So I'm, I'm like, dip and rip. <laughs> yeah. Had that bend. So I'm like, all right. I was like, hey, Coach Parcells. And he was like, Jason. He's, then he just look, he like looks me up and down. And he goes, you got any gas left in the tank? That's all he said to me. Like, Damn. no hello, no shake my hand. I'm like, all right. He goes out to practice. I come in from practice. There's a gas can on my on my chair, a red gas can. It's empty. So I come in. And I'm like, bitch, I. Right. So I told wow. I told one of the equipment interns. I was like, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take this gas can and go to the gas station. Here's some money. Fill it up with gas. <laughs> I didn't know this part. Of this and he's part. like, okay. So they he went. The interns will you know you take yeah. care of it. They'll oh, do whatever yeah, you yeah. need. They, he runs to the station and fills it up with gas. So the next day we go out to practice. I take a sharpie and I and I autograph the gas can. So I tell him, I say, hey, when we go out to practice, I need you to come in and I need you to take this upstairs to Parcell's office and just sit on his desk. He's like, no, no, I'm not going, I'm not going up. You know, he's all scared. So he he didn't do it. So I ended up having someone take it upstairs, put it in Parcell's office. But remember, I had signed it and I put, you know, two bill or whatever and I signed my autograph. That's a great great little gift to have right I might have wrote something sinister on it too. (laughs) Might have? Like, thanks for being a fan. I, I forget. I forget. I seriously, I truly forget. So anyway, that started it off. So we finished the season one of fifteen. Dolphins are the laughing stock of the NFL. We got no good press or anything. Get a chance to do dancing with the stars, and after much reluctance, I end up doing it. So now I'm on TV every week, live TV twice a week in front of twenty million people as a Dolphin player, Dolphin brand, and NFL Man of the Year too, and NFL Man counting. of the Year, and they right. did not like it at all. That's crazy. Parcells didn't like it at all. Like, to Tony Sperano may he rest in peace and. uh you know, he passed away a year ago. I think it was two day, yesterday or two, day, two days ago, and yeah. one of the greatest. I, I love Tony Sperano. I was talking with him, but Parcells wouldn't speak to me and was mad about it and wanted me and Davey running sprints because I couldn't run sprints in L.A. because there's no grass in L.A. to run. And there's no weight rooms in L.A. But anyway, so after all this going back and forth and the stuff in the media and it getting nastier and nastier, I fly from L.A. to Miami, which you know ain't a short flight, to come meet with Parcells. Fly across the country. I go to the facility. They're all in the draft room upstairs. So I go upstairs. And I had told Tony I'm coming. Tony knew I was coming. Bill's supposed to know I was coming. Jeff Ireland was the GM. <laughs> so I go upstairs. Air quotes. And I ask uh, Ann, you know, old sec- the secretary up there. I was like, Ann, wh- where are they at? She's like, oh, they're in uh, in the draft room. So I open up the door. And again, you can hear that big, thick-ass door open up. And Tony sees me. And Tony's like, hey. And he starts to get up. And Jeff Ireland sees me and, you know, stands up and shakes my hand. Parcells, like, looks back. And then he goes back to the film and just starts keeps on going. So I'm like, hey, I came to meet with Bill. Like, we had a, a meeting or whatever. And Tony's like, Tony hurries over and, like, grabs me. and is like, come on, come on. I'm like, damn, are you just going to ignore me? 
he did totally ignore me. So we go into Tony's office, and Tony and I have a great meeting for half hour, 45 minutes or whatever. Bill never acknowledged I was there and never came and spoke, but he's the one that has a problem. Like, we, we're trying to iron this thing out. I got my ass back on the plane, went back to L.A., and we... Damn near beat Christy Yamaguchi. We, did, we didn't Almost have a whole lot to talk about. It was a setup. Yeah, we didn't have a whole lot to talk about. So, fast forward to July, we start camping like three days, two days. He's at Grand Oaks, or I'm at Grand Oaks playing golf. He wanted to meet. Just he and I, no agents, no nobody. Not, not Tony, not Jeff, nobody, just us two. All right, fine. I'm at Grand Oaks playing golf. He's like, all right, I'll come by, and when you get done, we'll, we'll meet. So... It's like 5, 36 o'clock. Grand Oaks is a ghost town. It's just me and him in the dining area, dining room, and one waiter, you know, a waitress that was taking care of us, and we talked. Bill and I had to sit down and talk for, I don't know, we were there probably an hour, and talking about football, talking about dancing with the stars, and why he was not upset, but what he wanted me here, and this and that, and uh, all the stuff. We finished the meeting, basically him saying, listen, I'm not dumb. I've been doing this a long time. You know, I'm, I'm running a team for a reason. I know what the hell I'm doing. I'm not in the business of getting rid of my best player. Like, that's just, that's stupid. You're not going anywhere. So all this bullshit talking to media and all these draft talk, I mean, these, these trade talks and all that, that's, that's not happening. You're, you're our guy. We want you here. Tony loves you. We look forward to working with you. I'm not getting rid of my best guy. Two days later, I'm sitting in the Dolphins locker room getting ready for camp. I'm unpacking all my Jordans and stuff in my locker to get ready for camp. I'm the only person in the locker room. Joey uh, Chimino's in the back getting the equipment room together. Charlie's back there. And I'm, there's a TV in front of my locker. So my phone rings as I was getting ready. No, I had just come back from the hot tub. My phone rings. I saw it was Gary. But I'm still getting stuff together. I was like, I'll call him back. And it rings again. I'm like, all right, he needs something. So I answer the phone. And right as I answer the phone, I see on the ticker, Dolphins trade Jason Taylor to Washington. I'm sitting in the building. I'm downstairs in the building. That's how you found out you got traded? That's how I found but Gary out. Gary was trying to get Gary, to you, but. As I answered the phone, Gary was like, Bro, what you doing? I like I'm sitting in the in the locker room getting ready for camp, and I was like, "Hey," and he's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be on ESPN." And that's how I found out. Wow! And I'm like, I'm downstairs. Everyone knew I was in the building. I mean, the security, there's cameras everywhere. So I go back and I give Joey and Charlie a hug, and I go in the training room and give Ko and and Troy and those guys a hug, and they're like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I just got traded." And they're like, everyone was like, "What? What are you talking about?" So I changed the channel in the training room. I'm like, "Look," and they're like, "What?" The-? And they never spoke to me. Uh, Tony, Tony ended up coming downstairs, and and uh, you know, Tony gave me a hug and kind of apologized. You know, he's you know he's part of a group and he's trying to run his team too. So you know, he, he's got to keep his loyalties. But I left. I, I packed my bag, and Charlie was like, "Don't worry about this stuff. I'll you know we'll we'll box it all up." He's like, "I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'll, I'll box it up and send it wherever you're going." I was like, "Apparently, I'm going. To, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. That's tennis. That's called. Here it is. I'm going to Washington. Yeah. So send it to Washington. The next day, you, me, and Gary were on uh, Redskins one. They call yeah, it right. We were on Redskins plane. Plane. Yeah. Going to to Washington. That was crazy too, Juice, because we went Man. right to the, the plane. Mike Pahanic was in Washington at that mm-hmm. point, right? The the PR guy who had taken my position and he was in Washington. So we got off the plane and they sent Pahanic there to greet JT. And uh, we drive right to the facility. He goes in the back to change and he comes out and he's wearing the fucking burgundy and gold. And he just looked like when you take your son to school for the first day ever. And they're like, you really going to leave me here? It was, and Gary and I kind of felt badly leaving him. Man, it was wild. You know, I've got me a burgundy and gold 5.5 at the house too, by the way. Yeah, do you have Of course, man. I got, I got, you know, we had chambers on, well, we'll have chambers on at some point. Yeah. And uh, he had, I got all his like 84 different ones. I've got about three or four JTs as well. We got a box full of at the office well, too, if you get want one of those one. too. <laughs> and I also got one. Of course, I got my Hall of Fame one at the house too. Gotta have that. Gotta have I know you don't have a, the green 99, the Jets. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. It's, it's hanging out. My, my, my dog sleeps on it. <laughs> it's though. not afraid. It's just <laughs> it's 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 little, it smells like piss and shit, but it's, <laughs> it's, I still have it though. 
That's just funny. What's up, Big Seth? What's going on, Juice? Hey, you know everybody wants to make money, but I always ask, yeah. who's keeping track of your money? No doubt about it, man. That's why for the past 15 years, I've gone to my guy Rob at ARS and Associates for all of my personal and professional accounting needs. Oh, man. Rob's the best. And his son is one heck of a baseball player. Yeah, he is. Rob's also so professional. He's trustworthy. Hey, you know, that's the most important part, man. It definitely is. And the entire team at ARS handles personal accounting, corporate, bookkeeping, payroll. Hey, they also work with athletes and charities, correct? You know they do. So call ARS and Associates for a free consultation at 305-653-7350. Ask for our guy, Rob, or visit their website at arsaccounting.com. That's arsaccounting.com. And make sure you mention that the fish tank sent you to get your first month of payroll services free. Need custom t-shirts made? What about logo giveaways for trade shows or parties? Wizard Creations will put your logo on anything and everything. So you got to find them at wizardcreations.com. Yeah, the lowest prices around, less services available. Wizard puts your logo on everything. And they really do, Juice. Luke Freeman, who is the wizard at Wizard, is an amazing guy. And if you have something that needs to be branded, Luke is the guy who will get it done. He's done our fish tank shirts that everybody's been asking for. We've worked with him at the Jason Taylor Foundation for years. There's nobody better than Luke Freeman and Wizard Creations. Yeah, so for all your custom merch needs, call our friends at Wizard Creations at 888-217-4084. That's 888-217-4084. Also, check them out at wizardcreations.com. And when you do that, Luke said, use the code FISHTANK. He's going to give you free setup and 10% off your first order. Free setup, 10% off. You're going to save some money and get great branded product. Wizardcreations.com. I, I don't want to talk too much about the Redskins experience. It wasn't, you know, uh, throughout your entire career, for a lot of different reasons, it wasn't the greatest experience. But there was a moment in D.C. had nothing to do with football. But it is an unbelievable. Well, I guess it did have something to do with football, actually. I, I, I take that back. But just the way everything that happened leading up to that point. So we know that you almost, you know, we've heard the story. You got leg whipped. I, I think, was mm-hmm. it the Saints? Was yep. it the Saints game? Saints, yeah. So JT starts off. He's coming out, you know, defensive player of the year, the NFL man of the year, dancing with the stars. Fuck Parcells. We're here. They embraced him. They were excited for him to be there. They got 5,000 people out at Redskins camp. You know, he's dropping Jordan gear in the locker room. Everybody's loving him. They're all very excited. He has two sacks against Drew Brees, right? Mm-hmm. We play the Saints early in the season. Two sacks against Drew Brees, but he gets leg whipped. And I'm up there because the next day we're doing a big screens, big uh, big dreams with mm-hmm. Rob Brown, the movie The Express. Brian Coles, his best friend and teammate from college, is up there for the game. And, <laughs> and we were, I think we're going to take B. Coles to, to dinner and then to the airport because he's supposed to fly out that night. So tell us about, we're sitting at dinner, J- uh, Juice, and JT's sweating like a hostage, man. And he, you know... Uh, you and JT can both vibe on that one. It's a little warm. You guys happen oh, to sweat. Boy, you got you get your Patrick Ewing on. Boy, but man. it was not hot in this restaurant. In my day-to-day life. It, it was not hot in this restaurant. And I've seen JT after games, and I can't even imagine what you guys go through after games. But I've never seen him like this. What was going through your head is we're waiting to take B. Coles to the airport. And then after we drop him off, I'll, I'll, I'll lead us into some of what happened there. So you get leg whipped a lot, and the trainers in Miami used to always, you know, if it gets worse or starts to bother you tonight, I mean, let us know or ice it down or whatever. And so you just kind of ignore it. I heard it a thousand times because you get hit in your head, your legs when people try to cut you, or maybe a running back comes in as he's getting tackled and you hit your legs, or a dirty ass lineman that yeah. misses the block and then leg whip you, which is what happened. Right. But I, you know, I ignored it. All right, whatever. So we go to dinner, and you know, we're this is three, four hours after the game, and my leg is just killing me and it's throbbing and throbbing. But you know how we are as athletes. Like, you know, we take, you know, we, we have some painkiller that's 
prescribed or whatever, and you know, or you or you have a couple of pops and you know, you, you, a drink, and you know, it kind of goes away. And let's go to bed, and we'll, tomorrow morning we'll be sore, but it'll go away. I'm like, man, it's just getting worse and worse. I'm sitting in the Palm Restaurant in Tyson's Corner up in Virginia. <laughs> I've been there, and I'm I'm sweating like I'm on the field, like I'm just dripping. I'm like, man, this is something's wrong. It's yeah, he was me. just not himself. So we go home, and I'm I'm still trying to not the pain away. And then, again, just go to bed. If I can go to bed, our body's the best computer. But I'm gonna cut you off for a second. Okay, go ahead. And this is you know obviously that part of it. But so we drop Brian Coles. Got to fly back to Akron. His best <laughs> friend. <laughs> Now, the thing about B. Cole's Juice, and I don't know if you know him, and I hope he's I listening right now. You know B. Cole's. There's always a story with B. Cole's. Always a story. So we drop him off. He's got his flight. We don't, you know, we eat dinner. He's getting a little worried he's going to miss his flight. We drop him off. We drive all the way back to, to JT's house, and he gets a call. <laughs> Dude, bro, my flight's tomorrow. It's not tonight. <laughs> he said, he said, JT said, what fuck you mean? He goes, I, I don't know. I thought it was tonight. Said, well, why did we race to the airport? He said, look, I'm not driving. Because it was 45 minutes, an hour to get to the airport. He said, I'm not driving all the way out. Get your ass a cab. This flight was the wrong day. Taxi He's an idiot. Wrong day, wrong time. It was, it was not even that it was the following night. It was the following morning. morning like yeah. the whole thing. It wasn't at seven at night. It was at seven in the morning. Like B. Coles oh, just had God. the whole thing wrong. The whole thing wrong. <laughs> So, so JT says, look, I'm not coming. I love you. I'm not coming to get you. Get a cab. I'll pay the driver when he gets here. Just get a cab. Pre-Uber. So B. Cole jumps in cab. We're watching whatever Sunday night football. We're just right. Gets another call. What does he say to you? I forget. He's like, um, what do you, <laughs> he calls. Like, there was a, I think there was a storm. Like it, I think a storm blew through. A, or something. You, we thought it was a storm, a truck. So he's oh, driving yeah, you're back. Right, you're right. <laughs> he calls and says. What's he say to you? He's like, JT. He's like, oh, shit, help. A tree. What do you say? A tree I'm hit, under a tree. I'm under a tree. A tree <laughs> fell and hit the car. He's like, what the fuck do you mean? I'm under a tree. I'm like, what? Where are you under a tree at? And he's like, he tried to explain to me where he was. But he's like just talking all loud. I'm like, be cool. Shut up. Where are you at? He's like, I'm under a tree. I'm like, I heard that. What tree? Where's the tree? It ended up being like right up the street from me. So he's close to the house. So JT hangs up the phone. He goes, we got to go. I go, what the fuck do you mean we got to go? Like, B. Coles is under a tree. Under a tree? What do you mean? He's so under a tree. running out of the house. We jumped in the car, right? We jumped in the car because it had that long-ass driveway. Yeah. And as soon as we turned, it's Armageddon outside. And what happened was a box truck was yeah. coming. It was a party rental truck. Yes, that's right. And it had 7,000 Shivari chairs in the back of the truck. And, it's you know, this is in Virginia. There's trees and beautiful woods and the whole thing. And this box truck must have been flying to get back because the party probably ran late. And a tree rips the whole side panel off the box truck. Box truck drives off the side of the road. Wood splinters everywhere. everywhere. 7,000 Shivari chairs all over the place. And the fucking tree falls down. So we come out there. Now, JT, tough guy JT, he's legit concerned about his boy, Brian Coles, because he's stuck under the tree. Like, where's B. Coles? We think he's under that fucking thing. So he goes running, <laughs> he goes running looking for him. JT's wearing a bright red. I could see it like it was yesterday, Jay. It's a, got a giant NFL shield on it. So normally he likes to, at this stage oh. of your career, you like to try and be relatively as unassuming as you can. Yeah, but that would never wear out of the house. Right. But we're at the crib. But yeah. we're, yeah, we're at the house. So he goes running looking for him. Brian! And we hear, Jay! <laughs> Brian! So we're going back and forth. JT! Yeah. 
And somebody's like, I see him under the tree. Like, like right there was some lady screaming under yeah, the tree. Yeah, like we're doing Marco Polo the whole and time. So, and so there's the panel of the truck is standing over like a bunch of logs and stuff. JT jumps on the panel to see if he can see over. And he's standing there in fucking Superman pose with the big shield on. And he's standing like this. And he's like, Brian. And so, so, you know, unassuming JT is now in the brightest red shirt with the NFL shield painted like Superman on his chest. And we're looking. He's getting worried. And we're Fucking Brian comes walking from around the corner. He's like, hey, hey, what are y'all doing? You ready to go back to the crib? <laughs> no way. Like, he wasn't even under the tree. Yeah, not under the tree. The tree fell on the ground. His taxi cab's like three or four cars back. <laughs> no, but remember, the cab driver jumped him off, saw the police activity. He goes, you got to get out of here. I think yeah. the cabbie was illegal. Well, yeah, so. right. You go. <laughs> Brian's like, what do you mean? I, 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 the tree. And it, he kicks Brian out of the cab and takes off. Didn't even get paid. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't care about that money. He yeah, saw the cops about. That's a long trip. That's a good fare, too. <laughs> yeah. Big Cole's like fare. still has a corona in his hand or something. And we're like freaking out. We're legitimately oh worried that the guy's going to die. Meanwhile, JT's about to lose his leg. Like, you know, so we'll get back to that part of the story. Because like, what, what, what's the problem? Like, he, he had, he was. I was ready to kill him. I was going off on him. I had no like, idea. You said you're under the tree. We thought there's a tree <laughs> on the side of the road. There ain't no car under the tree. <laughs> Why, why are y'all acting so crazy? So anyway, we go back to the crib, and it's whatever time now, 12, 12 o'clock at night, everyone's going to bed, and I can't, the pain won't stop. It's just killing me, killing me. But if I walked around the house, it didn't bother me. It didn't hurt. It was weird. But anytime I stopped, it stood still. It was throbbing. So I take an Ambien and go to sleep, and usually Ambien will knock you out. So I'm in the bed, and I'm dying. I'm talking about I'm sweating. My sheets are wet. My pillow's wet. I'm damn near in tears. So I go walking back downstairs. It's now 2 o'clock in the morning. I had taken another Ambien to go to sleep. So I come to find out as I walk in, it doesn't hurt. So I'm standing on the steps and obviously the Ambien knocks you out. So I'm tired. I fall asleep against the wall on the steps, standing up. It doesn't hurt. Then I guess as I fell asleep, I slid down. Boom. And I fall on the steps, take the pressure off my leg and it starts throbbing again. So I'm like, something's wrong. It's like not throbbing. I'm talking about, I felt like it was on fire. Like I was dying. So I call Larry Hess, old Pittsburgh boy. He's a trainer up there. And I'm like, Larry, something's going on. My leg is killing me. So he's like, Oh, crap. Stay right there. We're on the way. And I'm like, nah, on the way for what? He's like, we got to go to the hospital. I'm going to call an ambulance or I'll come get you. I was like, I'll just drive to the hospital. He's like, no, you can't. You don't understand. I'm coming to get you. And he, I don't know where he lived, but he was there in like five minutes, 10 minutes. These guys are in bed. Seth and Brian are in bed. I end up going to the hospital. Oh, I end up going to the hospital. And, uh, you know, to fast forward, I end up having to get emergency surgery. And I never told anybody. I don't even know how you guys found out. Well, you called me at like six in the morning. After and the I, surgery? No, it was before the surgery. And you called me at like six, because you didn't want to have wow. surgery. Right. You wanted to wait, and you tried to call Gary, and you called me, and you were trying to get everybody to tell you. And then finally, the doctor's like, you can wait and fly over here, but I'm going to cut your leg off when you get here. And, and so wow. then he called me at six in the morning, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, this lazy son of a gun, like, you're two rooms down. I, you know, it was, it was a decent-sized house. calling you, yeah. Why are you calling me? Like, just come knock on the door. I'm like, what? And he's like, and he's he's in his feelings because he's about to get surgery. And he's like, well, why are you yelling, man? And I'm like, well, dude, why, like, why don't you just come knock on the door? He goes, I'm at the hospital. You're not at the hospital? What do you mean you're at the hospital? Why don't you wake me up? Well, I don't want to bother you. Bro, and I start screaming at him. He's like, why are you yelling at me, man? I'm about to. So, so B. Coles, I go knock on B. Coles' door. I'm like, B. Coles, JT's in the hospital. And then all of a sudden, B. Coles is worried that JT's under the tree, right? He's in the hospital. You know, Brian gets real sensitive about this. Yeah, he does. He's in the hospital. I go, dude, get dressed. We got to go to the fucking hospital. So you were going. They were wheeling you in. And you called at that point. I think you just kind of, with all the commotion, realized. So we show up at the hospital, Juice. And by the time we get there, he's 
they had taken him out of recovery and they put him in a bedroom and he's kind of just a little groggy and trying to wake up and you know b coles is in tears and we're walking in <laughs> and he you know be, he's like brian's song in there b coles walks in and he's like hey man you all right and i'm like bro you okay and, and jt kind of opens his eyes and he's like wiping the crusty out of his mouth and he goes you guys didn't bring me no Skittles or nothing? Yeah, yeah, I was like, that's the first thing he said. I don't know why. I was like, y'all got no Skittles? I got no Skittles. And we're like, like, what? I'm like, I need some Skittles. Me, I remember. I ain't got no Skittles. I, I, we just turned around and went down to the so gift shop. Right. 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 He brought me some Skittles and I tore that's them things was. up. Yeah. You know, so the football stuff is, you know, you know what happened after that. But oh, uh, <laughs> the whole B. Cole scenario, I mean, if, if maybe he didn't get stuck under the tree, maybe your shit might have calmed down. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's great stuff, man. <laughs> oh man, you know we we talk a lot about your football, JT, and I know how competitive you are, man. From Oof. being on the football field to playing fast football and doing workout and training and stuff, but it was no more prevalent than when you played basketball at my house at the ball up. Man. Ooh, we talk boy. about the ball up a lot on this show, man, and your name comes up all the time. Every time, every time we do a show, your name comes up, man. Probably in a bad way. No, but... I see X both is that's good, not bad, never bad. Both ends of the spectrum. Both ends of the spectrum <laughs> from your competitiveness. You know, I, I thought JT just from fast football too. I thought JT didn't play linebacker or defensive end. I saw he got some tight end. I thought he was a better punter than anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, ways to punt the basketball over to Katana's yard or hang time. The, yeah, hang time for real, man. So he went from long snap. That's that's what he was doing. He was snapping it to himself, to himself. and then he was punting that bitch when he's out there by himself, Man. right? Has anybody not picked JT for their squad, though? He's been on everybody's top five, yeah. everybody's and top every person five. has mentioned the basketballs that get kicked over in the Kajama's yard. <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the, 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 the ball up and why you're angry at times, it seems like, out Ooh. there. You know what I mean? Because we had, we had a lot of fun out there. And then you could transition that into when you had a surprise visitor for us to come ball up with us. The ball ups were great. That was that was like the highlight for everybody. Yeah, we JT was there. He was legit there. He was there always, all the time. Always. He was a regular. And, you know, I'm a basketball. Basketball is my first love. So I was. I love that. You know, whether it be in a pickup court, indoor, outdoor, wherever. But you know, when you get a chance to play with your teammates and stuff, people let you know. You know, we'd make a party out of it. You know, we'd it'd be a, it'd get together. We'd be there for hours and or until you got pissed off and, and turned the lights <laughs> I out. I heard that story. Another too. competitive guy. Threatening to let the dogs out let and all that stuff. Threaten because you were in your feelings. Things over a fire. Damn right I was. Damn right. Anyway, we uh yeah, it got really, really, really competitive. And you know, they would it would go from us taking care of each other, you know, no one's trying to hurt each other, but it would get so competitive that there was it'd be physical as hell and hard fouls and I mean you can get clocked or you're bleeding and you call a foul and then juice would start bitching that that wasn't a foul. Like, no, you're no foul, you soft. I'm like, man, we doing this soft thing again, like the senior boy, I gotta fight somebody, like I gotta change the narrative again. So yeah, we, we would go at it. And listen, we were all alpha males. Most of us there were alpha males and, and wanted to win. And, Might have been a beta. And did whatever it took to win. And yep. you know, it would it would get funny. Like, you know, th- those game points sometimes Oh man. I forget what we played to, but the game could be Eight minutes long, but then game point would take twenty minutes because yep. no, you were not getting a shot off without getting intentional abused. Intentional foul, and, you yeah. couldn't foul out out there. Yep. <laughs> it was it was rough, and you know, you guys, some people was trying to start calling this that high school travel, like, like bro, this is we playing NBA rules. You're going NBA rules. You're high school step? travel, like if you you know you, you pump fake and take a step, or you, or your back foot happens to come up. Yeah, on game point, like, yeah, that's a travel on, on game this, point. They would just turn to arguments. One, one, zero zero is not a travel. No zero game zero. Point. You, game you guys point is seven steps to get to the rim, but. And what would lead to the ball going over the? Because they would start that bullshit. Okay. They would start the bullshit with the fouls and that ain't a foul or calling travel or double dribble. Double dribble? I didn't even dribble the ball. What do you mean double dribble? Oh, you caught it with two hands. Man, get the hell out of here with that. 
So, you know, Juice, because it was his court, be like, no, it's a trap. was my ball. I'm like, it ain't your ball. It is my ball in my house. He, so he tried to snatch the ball. And I'm like, listen, it's my ball. If anybody takes this thing, ain't no one playing. And so you try to take the ball or someone would try some bullshit. And I'd punt that bitch <laughs> over the wall to Kajana's house. I was trying to make it past Kajana's house. Over, the, the, over house. the Zach's house or Fat Joe's house. Right. And right. then they'd be like, go get it. I'm like, man, you can kiss my ass. I know one thing ain't going to happen. I ain't getting ain't the get ball. So you better get one of the ones from the sideline or somebody go get it. It's like deja you know, vu, They punt the good ball, though. Yeah. You know, we only well, because you're playing the with the good ball. Balls, there was so really a game ball. And someone go get punt it. the game ball over there. You know and I mean? I'll be damned if I go get it. <laughs> and we would all stand there and look at each other until someone finally, like, screw them, man, I'll go get it. And then they would go try to hop the fence or hop the wall or whatever. But, I mean, it was we had some classic games over there. And they, were, they were the best. Yeah, that was a fun time. He mixed it up every now and then, too. You know, oh, the fights? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there'd be fights. There'd has be Earl arguments. come back to your house since that day 15 years ago? He has, but he doesn't come inside the gate anymore. <laughs> just in case JT or the you dogs are there. Yeah. Yeah, Earl, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. yeah what did Earl do to set you off that time? I don't know. It was probably something dumb. But he I thought he was light skinned. Get he he, was light skinned. Thought he could get away. He tried me, man. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta you gotta put your mind changers on people. And yeah, hey. but it was one of those things where there was you know you knew whatever happened inside those gates was gonna stay inside the gates until we got on the fish. Especially tank. when Jews closed yeah. them until oh, we yeah. got on the fish. Tank. Oh, I used to love closing the gate and have people have to jump it and shit. You know what I mean? Looking for their keys with the cell phones, man. That no, was, you that would was fun. you would do that bullshit sometimes, I man. Did. You you get mad and cut the lights out. Somebody wants to watch the hose and then let the dogs out. The dogs yeah. come yeah. out. And yeah. my uh, dogs boy, were nice though. They were nice. Yeah, nice to you. Yeah, they were nice. Man, that, you were feeding them. Yeah, he man. would threaten. They'd be like, "Dude, shut up with that bullshit, man! Come on, stop, stop the bullshit, man!" <laughs> you over yelling on the sideline, <laughs> under the gazebo, yelling, and then you hop up and start walking toward the toward the dog cage, and I'm like, "Yeah, my fucking gonna do that." Then you would go halfway there, and someone would say something. You turn around, cuss us back out. <laughs> but you know, Me? you know when Juice is serious because Juice got a very distinct walk. Like if you, oh, if, if it's dark out and you just see a silhouette walking, like I could tell Dan Marino when he walks, and I could tell Juice when he walks. He got he got wow. the swag when he walks. But when he walks fast because he's pissed off, you know it's Juice. It's coming. And Juice is pissed. So you turn around, you start doing that fast swag walk to the dog cage, and you knew. Boy, we, we run and get our keys and our phones <laughs> if you could grab them in time. And then you start hauling ass. And the asshole would shut the gate. So gate you had closed. to jump the fence. Lights out. Lights out and shut the gate. And leaving the court, there was a little bit of an incline in the grass up to the, to oh, the driveway. You run that way. You so might so if you run in the dark and it, it, the grass is bumping, you'd be tripping and you'd be doing somersaults to get back up and run. You hear the dogs barking, and Juice would shake the cage on the on the dogs, and they would get to barking. I knew they wouldn't buy anybody. We'd all jump the fence, and then like we'd all be running serious, scared. They would jump the fence and be like, "Juice, you fucked up, man. That's bullshit." And we all get in our cars and leave. <laughs> and and then two days later, we'd be right back. See you on Saturday. See you on Saturday. To do it all over again. <laughs> you know, and, and real quick. You know, you had a surprise guest come in and for a ball up, and probably the best ball that we had that that one Wednesday night. Oh, for sure. When you had a good friend, he he knows all of you know. We talked about this number thirty three earlier yeah, in the show. Friend of mine, happened friend to his, be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Talk about when thirty three came over, JT. Yeah, so you know, Scotty Pippen, who worked thirty three for the Bulls, obviously. Uh, he and I were friends, and he found out we were playing basketball, and I told him about about the run at OJ's house and how it's some good athletes, and you know, all you know, all of us are. NFL players or, or friends of and some good ball players, college players. So he wanted to come one night. And, and me. And, uh, and, you know, Seth would come. And, uh, Keep score. You know, if, if I bring him, I got him. Like, you ain't picking up. Like, he's with me. And I got next. Matter of fact, I don't have next. I'm up first. You know, it was always a fight, I was too. Definitely on my team if he comes. So, you know, Scotty came and obviously – you know, was, was toying with everybody out there and made it, it was a lot easier for him than it was for us. But yeah, we ran, we ran the court for the night. 
We did. We did. We got all we could handle that night, though. I mean, guys brought their A game. They, they, did, they did. They wanted to try to – They wanted know, to measure me, themselves you. up. It was me, you, Kajana, Scotty, and Jerry Carter. So, we yeah, yeah we, had a, we had a dream team out there, man. But everybody – it was some tight games, 12-10, you know, 12-11, 12-9. Everybody, everybody brought their game. But it was, it was probably the fastest run games ever, though. Yeah. You know, games can last forever. Yeah. Those games they were smooth fast, and man, yeah. But, but Scotty wasn't trying to go out there and play as hard as everybody wanted started to play Started off a little slow. Like he, no. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't start picking it up a no, little when bit. No, when the score got tight and people were trying him a little bit, he became Scotty Pippen. Yeah, he'd show <laughs> you that he was one of the top 50 players ever play. So, yeah, he kind of put that you back in your place. shot is still as pure as ever, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, he was in the top 50, so we're going to take him out of the equation. Right. No. It can't be. But, go but, ahead. No, no, no. What I'm saying is we have a theme on this show where if you've played ball at OJ's, you have to pick your top five. Who is your top five? We will, and we said it earlier, you have made every person's top five, from <laughs> from Dixon to Aranda, whose team was kind of interesting, to Pat. Everybody picked you up. They had their different comments about you. Some of them said they picked you up because they knew they wouldn't lose any calls. But whatever it is, <laughs> you, you made everybody's top five. So the question becomes, who is JT's top five? And I can't have Scotty in my top five? No. We take Scotty out of the equation. The guy's in the top 50 of all time. You just said it. have some regulars. Um, That ain't fair. That kind of skews my whole thing. Because we started before positionless basketball. When Scotty came, we had positionless basketball. So we kind of felt like we started at at, at Zeus's house. (laughs) Um, So... I mean, I gotta go. I gotta go with the with the host. You know, obviously OJ. Always my, get that nod. I get that. Nod. OJ's on my team for sure. And it's, not, it's not because you're hosting the, the game because there's courts anywhere. <laughs> OJ was that dude, and if he was in your team, there was a lot less arguing. <laughs> it, it was well, you two on the same team. Yeah, that would thing, definitely well, because we had the judge and the jury on the that's same right, team. Right. It was, it was and, a lot easier. It's our ball. And the executioner. Yes, yeah, our ball. <laughs> no, you were out, dude. I wasn't even near the side. No, you were out. It's my ball. So Beat OJ's it. at the one. No, no, we again we're, we're position oh, basketball. Okay, yeah, we I don't, you. I don't, I don't believe in positions guys. anymore. Yeah, got I don't it. believe in that anymore. Drafting like Jimmy right now. That's it. <laughs> uh Mark Dixon, obviously I had to take Mark Dixon. He was he was he was that dude. Physical could shoot. He could do everything on the court. So and Dixon was that would be on my team for sure. Now Dixon. And we we told would us? never let we would, this is nice that he's doing this way, but we would never let Dixon and JT play on the same no, team. No, they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't. Not even not Juice even think was not about going it. for that. No. But Dixon told us when we talked to him in the first season that Juice still keeps a spot. He goes, They still hold a spot for me in case I might show up <laughs> at the court. He said, That's how good he was. Just in case I might show up, they got a spot ready for me. <laughs> he's great. great. Dixon believed in his skills now. He, he used to say when he pulls up, when I when I pull up, you better get that's before I got out of the car, you better get ahead of my yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He, he was to, scared of football, but he would talk some shit in basketball. It, it, but the funny thing is, you know, when he first started talking about coming out, you know, people were like, oh, it's an offensive lineman. You know, how good can he be? Until he got out there and started yakking and, and dribbling and shooting. I'm like, damn, this guy can play. So he, he was really good. Um, so I got I got Dix. I got OJ. <laughs> what you tell him what he said about TK, too? You can, you can put yourself in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on my team. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on my team. That was like just I said, assumed you were just I don't, trying I don't to have next. I, I'm on now. <laughs> and I had Scotty on my list, but I got to take Scotty off. TK, I want to know what TK said, because TK is one of those guys that I could, I could put him on my team, but sometimes TK don't want to play defense, man. <laughs> he, get, he get a little lazy on the defense. He's going to shoot the ball from what I Oh, hit. yeah. That's... Dixon said that if he would have played with TK in high school, he would have led the country in rebounds. <laughs> 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 TK's not happy about it. He's begging to get back, on the, back on the show. He's tweeting is, about it. He's that like, is great. I'm gonna write that one down. I'm gonna use that one day. That is so true. Like when you pass the rock, when you pass the rock to TK, 
not coming back. You start boxing yeah, out. Yeah, you start boxing <laughs> out. <laughs> he was hardened before Harden. James Harden before So James is he on Harden. the squad or we don't know yet? Is he your sixth man? We're gonna we're gonna hold him for a second because oh, I gotta, I gotta oh, take man. Scotty off. So I'm only have four gym, of my Jay. initial list. We're gonna have to discuss this a little bit. So yeah, I got I got me, um, Mark Dixon, OJ, of course. I'm gonna take OG. I'm a, mm. Ronde before you know when Ronde was a little smaller, he, he he used to get up and down the court and <laughs> athletic as hell, long, upon the ball. He draw pictures in the air as he's going to the rim. <laughs> Big um, hands. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, OG was that dude. Yeah. So he uh, he's definitely on on my team. Um. I gotta pick a last one. Sorry, Seth, you ain't gonna make it. I, I was not anticipating being on this one. Yeah, I have yet to make a top five. <laughs> you made your top five, right? Uh, I have Doubt no. It. I would not pick me. How you gonna pick a team and not be on it? Because I want to win. <laughs> I like to win. I like to compete. You gonna coach a pickup yeah, game? Yeah, him. I'll tell you my top five, and you're close. Um, man, I gotta take Scotty off. Zach, Zach was all right. Zach was a tryhard guy. Played defense a whole lot. Let me uh, get a couple guys, a couple names in my. You might be missing. Well, he brought up Zach, so we got to tell him what Dixon said. Because since we're giving the, D- the Dixon yeah, scouting it. report on everybody, Zach was on his top five because he said, like, you know, when when not that he compared him to Jordan, but he said, you know, when Jordan was in when college, that's when Dean Smith as a freshman recognized who he had because no matter what team he put him on, that team would win. He said Zach is going to compete yep. and play defense and not let you lose. He goes, just don't let that boy touch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. Dix is right on. He, he could be a GM of these pickup yeah, games. That's yeah. that's dead on. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said about competitiveness, whether it be in pickup basketball and professional football or any walk of life. If you're willing to out to outgrind somebody and work harder and and compete, that's what made us who we were back in the day. We competed so hard in practice. Yeah. At the Dolphins, we competed so hard in basketball. Like everything we did was a competition. I feel like now it kind of gets lost a little bit. Even coaching high school, you you know, it's, there's so few competitive periods. And I understand taking care of your players, but I also grew up in the era where they didn't really give a damn about taking care of us. They just wanted us to go hard, right? But that that sharpens your sword so much, you know, when you compete. And that and that's, that's who Zach was. Like Zach would compete. He did. One very skilled, but he could, he would compete. <laughs> he and so there's something to be said. He'll rough that. you up, man. Another one yeah. that another guy that, that compete his ass off couldn't make a bucket. Couldn't make a make a bucket on a breakaway. Sam Madison. Yeah. Sam would tell you what. Put his who, hands on you though. Whoever Sam was guarding, whether oh, it whether it be day. on a football field or on oh. a basketball court, your ass is gonna get touched. Yeah. Long day. And you were not gonna get a shot off, and he was gonna be talking and filing. He was unlimited stay in front fouls. Of you. JT, unlimited. But is fouls. he on your top five? Nah, Sam. Okay. Nah, 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 nah. If it was all defensive <laughs> team, I put him on. But no, nah, my top five. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give me, you gotta give me some names. Chambers. Oh, Chambers. I forgot about Chambers. Pat, too. Did Chris um, make your top five, Juice? I saw you yes. tweet it the other day. That's a, that's really good. Yeah, I, I might have to go with – give me some more names. Cause so my top Pat, five – I like a lot, too. Yeah. My top five was Pat at the one. Mm-hmm. I had Robert Baker at the two. Robert Baker and, – and actually, Pat put him on his team. I was trying to sneak yeah. Bake in. Yep. Bake was nasty and tough. Mm-hmm. I, instead of OG – and this was a toss-up, but I had Debo as my three. And then I had you and Dixon – at the four and Debo, five. Debo, yeah, yeah Debo was good too. Debo was good too. I like the way, De- yeah, I like the way he attacked the yeah, rim. Yeah, Debo went at it. He was yeah. that's when that was that was pre pre expansion Debo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, pre expansion OG. OG, yeah, 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 yeah. Both um, of our threes were. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna have to, TK ain't gonna like this, but <laughs> Dixon's scouting report on TK is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Pat. I'm okay. going to go with Pat. Yeah. So it's five right there. Pat can play any position. He'll, he'll guard. He'll go down the paint and mix it up. He can handle. OJ, he ain't Pat, always trying to shoot. Aronde, you, and Dixon. Yep. That's a tough squad right there. Yep. That is a tough squad. Yeah, we're going to compete. We're going to foul you when we have to, and we can get out and run. You know, my, my revised one was, was Dixon, Chambers, JT, Kajana. You had K- Kajana, I, yeah. I put Paul on there. 
Yeah, he put Paul. Paul, Paul remember Paul knew Paul that he was a ball hog too. His range well, was. Well, did half you see my response to your squad? No, I didn't see it. So we had a little it. Twitter thing going. You know Paul. Because he had you and Dixon on the team. I said, your bigs are not going to be happy with Paul on that team. No. And you guys, I don't think, are even going to finish the game because a fight's going to break out between yeah. JT and Paul and the whole thing. But, yeah, Paul was skilled. I mean, Paul was – I don't remember was, Paul. You would know him if no, you saw no, him. No, no, him. Always wore long nylon sweatpants. Yep. Yep. Could shoot from anywhere in the court and did. Yep. Uh, played college ball, didn't he? Yep. He Paul was nice. was Paul he was, was nice. nice. He was really talented, but I think he would shoot you out of it he just as quickly as he shoot you in it. See, my my loyal, I, you know, I'm a I'm a loyal guy, so I got to go with the Pats and, and OGs Teammate, and those guys. Keep, yeah, because I know I know what they are, what they're what they can give you, and and they're gonna compete to the end. But and I think this team some would of those guys Paul like yeah. some of those guys like Paul and TK and those, the, the kind of guys that when the other team makes a bucket, when you have one guy on your team taking the ball out. And all four of them standing there on the baseline trying to get the rock because if it gets in somebody's <laughs> hands, they don't come back. Those are tough to play on. Yeah. Like there ain't nobody back. All like, four guys, all four guys right are standing right there trying to get the ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want that. TK nah. gonna kill me, but that Dixon, oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna have to schedule TK's. Yeah, yeah. he said he would have led the country in, in rebounds. rebounds. That's great. Too good. Too good. <laughs> you know, finishing up real quick, JT. We can't let you go without talking about your your coaching. Coaching at St. Thomas, you know what I know. We have the same connection. My son, Otis, goes to St. Thomas as well. Your kids are going to St. Thomas and coaching football. Talk about that experience, man. What got you into coaching? I know I got into coaching because I saw my kids being coached by guys that didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Exactly. And so I wanted to be a you know part of that exactly. and make sure they were on the right path there. What got you into coaching at St. Thomas, and how's it been so far? It's been great. I, I love every minute of it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot more than what people probably think for high school because of the type of program that St. Thomas is, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, what got me in the culture is the same exact thing that got you in. You start seeing guys that, that are – my kids are play, my kids didn't play football until I retired, so I, I held them out as long as I could. I think Isaiah, my oldest, started playing in maybe sixth grade, which allowed Mason to play in fifth. You know, cause you, can't make, you can't let one play in and hold the other one back. So I go out to practice. They're, they're playing over in Davie, and you just – you know, coach rolls the ball out, does a little stretch – goes to Oklahoma drill, and then they scrimmage for an hour and a half in practice. I'm like, you going to do this every night? So I go the next night, and they're doing the same thing. And I'm like, this is crazy. So between that, the fact that I wanted to be around my kids when I retired, I wanted to be around my kids and really, really fall back in love with my, with, you know, with my kids. Because when you're playing, you know, you're busy, you're running around, you're doing this, they're small, like so you, you, you miss some of that time. So I wanted to be around, and then OG – and Pat and uh, Daryl Porter and Sam and all those guys were coaching. Ed Perry, they were all coaching out in Davis. It's like, don't forget that again. Yeah, so, you already did in the draft class. So, it, it, <laughs> you know, it was, there was, it was comfortable there, too, because those guys were there. So I started hanging around a little bit. And Sam was the head coach of, of uh, I guess, I forget what team. It was 10U or 11U. And Sam was like, hey, can you, can you come out one night and, like, work with the defense a little bit, just, you know, with the D-line or whatever, work with the defense a little bit, help me out. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll stop by one, one of these nights and spend an hour and a half. I went out that night. And I haven't left the field yet, and that's been five years ago or whatever. Yeah. So it's like it went, went from one like he's Sam was over there calling offensive plays during practice, and I'm like, who's your who's coordinating the defense? He's like, oh, I'm doing I'm doing both, but you, know, you could line them up and you know you can line them up do whatever you want to do, line them up and put them in a in a set you know and make some calls or whatever. So yeah, so I got, I got involved over in in Davy and. You know, Sam didn't have anybody really doing the defense. He was doing the offense. Next thing you know, I'm full-time working with him. And, and so, really, Sam is the one that kind of got me on the field. And I love it. Being around them young kids, and you know, I coached 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, and then went in the, went into high school. And then, you know, now being around these these young athletes, it's first of all, it's really it's really easy to be a good coach when you got good players. Yeah. 
it, it helps a whole lot. I think that's pretty awesome, man, you coaching <laughs> at St. Thomas, man, because most of those kids, a lot of those kids are going to get a chance to get to not the next level, but the next, next level. Right. You know, you, you already get the Division One kids, and, but a lot of those guys, like St. Thomas, I think is the number one high school with guys in the pros, yep. like all time. You know, so I think that, that the knowledge you bring and the work ethic, I think that's where you really pay off, too. Not the fact that you're a Hall of Famer, but the fact that, you know, your work ethic, got you where you are and you continue that pass that on to those young guys that's what i try to do i mean and you know again you, you got to always remember and I, and I sometimes i lose this too that you know they're kids you know some of these kids some of these guys are six six you know 300 pounds huge. you know i had a kid that was six seven in high school 400 pounds like there's huge like kids. a small college at that yeah. high school yeah and it's like yeah. you're trying to teach them football you're trying to teach them life you're trying to teach them responsibility and work ethic and the way to do it and the way to approach the game then you know sometimes those things go in one ear and not the other and you get frustrated but you're like you got always got to bring it back like, okay this kid's 16 like he just got his license last week even though he looks like a grown man and like he has a family at home he's he's a kid but you know you start to see you know what's really cool is you know, now I'm in my third year there now. So, you know, we've had kids go to Oklahoma. Two kids go to Oklahoma. Two kids from this from last year's team are now at Alabama. You know, kids at Michigan. All these big schools around the country and the small schools. But when, you're, when your phone dings and it's a text or a phone call from, from a kid that's no longer here mm-hmm. and he's just checking in or, you know, tells you congrats on your engagement or, you know, ask you a question or how, just checking in how's it going or how's Isaiah's shoulder, like little stuff like that. Like they keep their relationship once they're gone. It's priceless. You know, Jordan Battle and Braylon Ingram are two kids that played for me last year that, that are now in Alabama. They're freshmen in Alabama and probably two kids that are going to end up, you know, starting at some point this year and, and both have potential to go and play on Sundays. When they're texting you, you know, a couple of weeks ago about, Coach, you told me how hard it was going to be, how different it was going to be when you got to college. Like, everything you're saying, I'm hearing the same things up here because, you know, Coach Saban and his staff, that's where I got a lot of my philosophies from. And, and that's where we, you know, our defense is really based on what Alabama does and George, some of those schools like Georgia do. And like, man, it's, you really, really prepared us. Like, I feel so prepared to be here and knowing how to learn the coverages, knowing how to learn the fronts and the stunts and the checks and looking at formations. He's like, but you wouldn't lie when you talk about how hard it's going to be. Like, <laughs> holy cow, Coach Saban is crazy. I'm like, dude, training camp didn't even start. Yeah, like, you ain't got it, the pads just getting yet. started. Yeah, but that relationship, it, yeah. more, more than the football, the relationship you have with those kids – not to mention I'm coaching my, my sons are there. You know, my I see my sons every day. I'm in their life every day. That's priceless to me. Yeah. You know, after going through a divorce and, you know, some some parents don't get a chance to see their kids as much. You know, I see my kids every day. You know, I live right by them. So, I, so I'm in their lives every day. But having a chance to be on the field with them and then you pick up another hundred sons on the team, man, it, it's so satisfying. It's, it's it's so much fun. It's, like I said, it's a lot of work, but I love ball. I love yep. football. I love what I do. I love out working yesterday, out grinding somebody. And that's what we're doing now and, and having a blast with it. That's what's crazy to me, Juice, is that, you know, JT was never, uh, you know, there's legendary stories of Zach, right, and how he'd watch film till the coaches even left and, you know, eat dinner there and the whole thing. JT was not not that he didn't work hard, but there was a time to be there and a time to be somewhere else. And, a t- and, and JT always has 10 things on his schedule when there's only room for eight. And I get requests for him all the time and trying to schedule stuff. And there's certain things he doesn't want to do and we got to figure out when, whatever. I've never seen him as busy as he is now. And especially your first year at St. Yeah. Thomas when you were also coaching Mason's team. Yeah, coaching two so he teams. He was coaching was, two teams. Uh, Friday nights, Saturdays. That I couldn't believe dumb. he did it. <laughs> but I, I, I never thought you were going to fall in love with coaching just because of the amount of time uh, right. that, that's involved in one singular thing. 
But it's we'll have a meeting when he was getting ready to go in the Hall of Fame juice, and I, and we'd schedule meetings and we'd go over kind of everything in his speech. I'd come in and he's watching tape. He's well, not tape anymore, but he, right. he's on the computer film, and he's right. watching film of a team that's two and eight playing St. Thomas. But he's right. watching film and writing things down, and, and it's well, kind of blowing me away. He wants to make sure they're two and nine when it's all over. Yeah, well, he, yeah, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it the right way, yeah. and you, you can't sell them short. And, and then yeah. you know it's something I'm addicted to, so. Once you reintroduce it to your life and you start doing it, like you're just That's what's blown me away. I'm addicted to it. You just you're stuck. Like I'll leave I'll leave here today and I'll go home and you know, we start training camp Monday. So we had a meeting last night and I'll have practice start doing practice scripts tonight and installs and we'll meet again tonight, you know, for next week's training camp. And you know, I tell these kids all the time, like we're doing we, we do it because we love it. We do it for a lot of reasons, the last of which is money, you know, because trust me, there was no money in high school football no. for assistance. You know, I don't know about the head coaches and stuff, but <laughs> I'm sure Pat Sertan's all right. Yeah. But, but JT is damn near working for free, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, it's been amazing to watch. I should take that back. If you wanted to pay me, I would take it. You wouldn't turn but, it down? But since you don't pay, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> it's the right thing to say in that scenario. Well, look, man, we've kept you here beyond way too long uh, yeah way way too long <laughs> uh, we might have to cut this into two shows all kidding aside and not just because you signed my checks but really appreciate you diving in the tank especially oh, for our season opener you have uh, you have been talked about literally on almost every show that's true i think almost every show your name has come up whether it's been basketball a former teammate someone who didn't even play with you but admired the way you played and, and to have you as a part of this uh, we we truly truly appreciate it man it was my pleasure guys it's always a good time to sit down and catch up and you know we talked about this before we came we came to the cigar shop here Month, oh, a few man. months ago with yeah. a bunch of guys and it just I'm not weekend yeah we just sat back here and just told stories forever and laughed and drank and had a great time and you know it's you're always a little more comfortable when there's no microphones around but understanding the media and, and you know where the, what podcasts are I'm happy to share some of these things you tried to walk me down a couple streets that <laughs> that uh we I, went down, I went down a little bit I went down a little bit yeah and I saw the skeletons laying around I'm like maybe this isn't the right street but enough PR savvy to get you all the way you guys have to cut this one up a little bit but I, I had a great time it's, it's always fun hey thanks for diving in jt my pleasure Fella, you're now diving into the fish tank Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one, one. of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank, Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field. We gon' try hard. Old school, a new school. Mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players. No secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie. Bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it. Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team. Whether happy or we upset. We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about the fans. And if you ready for that water time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about the fans. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about the fans. You looking at that fish tank. It's time to dive in. fish tank. Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's 
It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. DolphinsTalk.com is your one stop for all things Miami Dolphins. With news, commentary, video, interviews, and the Webby Award winning DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast. DolphinsTalk.com has you covered on all of the latest happenings surrounding the Miami Dolphins. Whether it's training camp, the draft, free agency, or the current Miami Dolphins season, DolphinsTalk.com has it covered. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at DolphinsTalk, and to visit the website, DolphinsTalk.com, each and every day. That's DolphinsTalk.com.